Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Live. Our Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Carter Stanley, former Kansas Jayhawks quarterback, as we will get Carter's perspective on the expansion in the Big 12 with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah's the newest members joining Colorado. Also, uh, we'll talk some Kansas football heading into 2023, look ahead to the Big 12, and uh, also get Carter's thoughts on some Jayhawks in the National Football League as well. Great conversation with Carter Stanley coming up later on. Plus, we have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Draft season this week. We are drafting our last meal before we die. And then we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges is here with me as always. Tom, uh, I got to tell you, Summer Jones this weekend, pretty good with uh, a visit to see uh, Thomas Rhett and uh, Cole Swindell, really good concert. And then uh, good old Branson, Missouri, a nice weekend at Silver Dollar City. Can't go wrong with uh, with that. So you, you could say I, I, I'd gone country this weekend. I mean, shit, yeah, it sounds like it now. I was thinking about you. I meant to even text you and see. Did you did you make it to work on time Monday morning? I did. In fact, it's funny you mentioned that because it was very close. Um, I had to take my car in uh, to the shop that morning, and they were running behind whatever. My, my rental car, long story short, didn't show up. Um, not to bash enterprise, but enterprise says, we'll pick you up. And then they show up two hours later. Um, but basically I was cutting it so close. I had to Uber since my enterprise rental wasn't there. And, uh, so I did make it to work on time, but it was very, very close. Dang. So you took an Uber from the shop to your work. Correct. How far was that away? Like 20 minutes. Damn, so you're looking at a $25 Uber ride. Uh, it was like, I, I caught it at the right time. It was like 13 or 14 bucks. Well, that's not bad. And then yeah. did they bring your car to you, or did you have to Uber back to get it? Um, I Yeah, I got the car figured out. Yeah. Heck, so. yeah. Well, that works out. But yeah. you, So you made it there. Well, what time did you leave Tulsa to go back? So what time did you get back from Branson? So I got back from Branson to Tulsa around midnight, uh, Sunday evening, Monday morning, you know, um, my parents drove, I slept in the back seat, uh, about the whole way from Branson back to Tulsa. And then I woke up, uh, around, 4 30 in the morning to get on the road by 4 45 to get to dallas uh to drop off my car at 8 45 and then from there went to work dang so yeah you, yeah you stay on those red eye type drives and flights yeah i have grown accustomed to tom i wasn't always this way but over time I have adapted myself where I can wake up early and drive to work from somewhere like Tulsa. I've done it from Houston before too, or I can fly in the morning to Dallas and then go straight to work. I, I rather do that than burn 
time away where I could be at one place or burn like a vacation day or something. I mean, yeah, you, you definitely do the most in that, in that realm. I thought I, I thought I was always kind of like live, like fly by the seat of my pants, but, uh, you've taken it to a whole new level. Yes. Um, shout out enterprise. We'll pick you up in two hours. Um, two hours <laughs> later, you know, uh, Hey, if they want to, glad you didn't stay at a motel six where they'd leave the light on for you. You might've been in the dark for two hours. Right. <laughs> yeah no kidding um i gotta mention too before we get to too much we're gonna talk about this more with Bo. tom how about our boy portnoy pulling off that sale with uh with pin gaming only paying a dollar i, I would have paid two dollars for barstool why didn't they come to me i mean yeah i mean if that's the case i'd have just i'd have given them you know a hundred bucks that's what they wanted Right. Maybe that was like laws down the road that if they ever sold, he would have the first rights to to buy it back. Yeah. Good for Gabe. That made that deal with anybody else. Like, granted, Portnoy has a lot of money and a lot of influence, but I mean, they could have sold it to Elon Musk for whatever other money he has left after buying Twitter. Now X. Right. X is stupid, by the way. It is pretty dumb. Yeah, I'm I'm not liking this new Twitter X or whatever you call it, but good for Dave to get Barstool back. I do love that the first thing he did was bring back Mincy. Oh, yeah. You know, I think knowing Dave, just because he's – obviously, you've met him. I've never met him, but he, he seems like a normal guy, even with that much money. Um. He he's very petty. Yes. Have you heard about his the champagne uh, champagne bottle? You've heard about that, right? The you you said the champagne bottles with the names. Yes. Oh yeah. Of all his enemies. That's a level of petty I strive to be one day. Yeah, that's that's next level. But good for Dave. I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's a very weird world when, like, two competing companies involved in the same thing kind of come out both looking good. Like, ESPN literally is getting paid a $150 million check to be like, yeah, we want to use your name on a sports book. We'll pay you 50, $150 million. Like, I mean, there's that much value in the ESPN name? Like, man, ESPN... You know, they've had their financial problems. That's the best business deal they've made in a long time. Oh, yeah, a long time. I mean, <laughs> they don't have any really stake in it. They're like, okay, you just you get to use our name. That's it. Right. I mean, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> they, they, they could have paid me $149 million and called it the Tyler Jones Sportsbook. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could have called it whatever you wanted at that point, like, you could have, you could have given me, you know, you could have called the Thomas Bridges Sports Book and given me like a thousand dollars free play. Right. You know, and I would... <laughs> Can you imagine the the Thomas Bridges Sports Book app? You know, the the Thomas Bridges can't lose parlay. 
Yeah, and you know, in that case, they'd have to, you know, you do the face ID to log in. You'd have to do a, you'd have to do a breathalyzer, and you'd have to be over the legal limit to sign in. <laughs> Pistols firing. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, you know, I'm. I, I really am looking forward to the day, Oklahoma. You can legally do sports book and stuff like that, but at the same time, it's probably better that it's not for me. I, I can't wait for you, Tom, for you to lie do uh to rage live bet these Oklahoma State and Spurs games, like when your team's struggling of doubling down and then seeing your money just drain away. Oh, that and it's just like not even that, because I kind of have a rule um already set in place that it's like I don't bet on my teams. But where it would really, really get me is I'm a sucker for a parlay. And, you know, I'll even look at it, and I'm like, okay, I could probably hit this 18 parlay. There's no chance. (laughs) You know, but, like, at the time, it sounds great. (laughs) And then even, like, you know, I might hit the first or second game, and then by the third game, the parlay is done. I I feel like your dad, Johnny, we've mentioned this in the past, how – he watches Chiefs games of all teams and gets nervous and turns off the TV. I feel like if your dad got into sports betting, his team would only be up by a touchdown. And he's like, all right, I got to cash out now. I got to cash out. Oh, yeah. He's he's the type of guy, too, that would – like. he loves to see the Chiefs win, but he is the most pessimistic person when it comes to his team. Like, which kind of works out. You know, if he doesn't have any expectation, then he can never be disappointed. So he's always kind of like, yep, Chiefs are going to lose. And then obviously he gets pleasantly surprised when they end up pulling through. <laughs> so he would he would, he would, would be the guy that would just bet all the time against his own team. That way he never loses. If his team wins and he loses money, well, his team won. Did he turn it, off the TV when the Eagles were up big in the Super Bowl? You know, I was in Nashville for that. I So I don't know. Um, but I called him after the game and he was – you know, he was slippered up. He was having a good time. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, we need uh, we need Johnny Cam uh, during uh, a Chiefs game or something. You know, and 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 live bet with Johnny on the Thomas Bridges Sportsbook app. You know, that that'll be the day. Yeah, uh, that, exactly right. That would be the day. Conference realignment. Uh, let's start there, Tom. The Big 12 will begin with our conference. Adds Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah officially as the Big 12 goes to 16 members. Colorado already in the league. We told you on last week's show we expected this to happen, that this would be the case. And it came down to the 11th hour. We heard from Arizona State uh, straight up say that they did everything they could to keep the Pac-12 together. They wanted to stay in the Pac-12. Uh, Utah, same thing. They wanted to stay in the Pac-12. But at the 11th hour, when Oregon and Washington made their move to the Big Ten, those schools essentially had no choice but to move to the Big 12 at that point in time. And, you know, Arizona, uh, they've kind of led the led the charge of that group of three teams. And, you know, they've said all the right things. They're excited to be in the Big 12, and their fan base is, is thrilled that, they're in the Big 12 Conference. Arizona, I'm very glad about. Arizona State on the other end, 
their president, uh, Crow, almost uh, ended the whole deal for all three teams by himself, fighting with his board of regents and the Pac-12 presidents. And uh, we heard from Ray Anderson, their AD, uh, come out and say he's not going to travel to Morgantown, uh, that he has no interest in going there. And then he backtracked and uh, after Ren Baker, uh, a uh, Oklahoma native, uh, former AD at RSU, who's now the RD, AD at West Virginia there, chimed in and, and said, hey, those that uh, that trash West Virginia are those that have never been here. And that led to Ray Anderson apologizing and, and whatnot. And then you got Utah, who obviously their fans have been the ones that have been pushing the whole truck stop conference narrative and were the vote the most their fans were the most vocal about not wanting to go to the big 12 they're in the they're in the league now and i'll say this their administration has said all the right things the last couple of days they've been very gracious you can see why that program has had the success they've had in their athletic department with their you know back-to-back pac-12 titles how well they played football wise they've they've the athletic department has handled things well maybe not their fan base so much and they made it very clear they're excited about playing BYU again. So with all this being said, Tom, um, of these three new members, uh, I'm most happy about Arizona because it, it was clear they're the ones that want to be here the most. Um, Arizona State and U- Utah, whether it's their administration, their fans, whatever it may be, um, you know, this is this is a shotgun marriage here. Well, I mean, th- it was a shotgun wedding at this point. This isn't necessarily what – they wanted to happen. I know the Big 12 wanted them more than they wanted to be there. But, I mean, you go look at the last four schools when UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston joined the league. Not everybody was thrilled to welcome them to the Big 12. But at the end of the day, they needed there, and they they fit in just fine before they even played a game. So the shotgun wedding's here. It's strange bedfellows, um, but we'll make do. And, and I hope things – uh, turn around. I welcome them with open arms. I like Arizona better than the others. I give them the benefit of the doubt, but uh, I'm I'm definitely intrigued that we we finally got this over with. That this is uh, come to fruition here. I mean, yeah, everybody from these three new schools, you know, like Colorado, obviously was two weeks early, but you know, everybody from these new schools, I, I will say, um, has something to bring. You know. Uh, Arizona has great basketball program. I mean, they'll make the Big 12 basketball conference even more powerful. Utah is kind of a, you know, they're, if you take all the new Big 12 schools, Utah has the, like, is the biggest threat to actually do something. Um, and then you got Arizona State, which, uh, is, you know, all, almost every year ranked as the best party school. And has the hottest women in the nation. So, like I said, everybody brings a little bit of something. Right? Yeah, so everybody brings a little bit of something. And we're, we're glad to have all of them here. I hope the attitudes change from Utah and Arizona State. Because here's the deal. You know, we, we have said on this show many times, Tom, like it was the perfect storm would have been for the Big 12 to get the four corner schools. And that's been exactly what they've been targeting for the last 12 months was to get these four schools. But at the end of the day, the Big 12 had options. Um, They didn't have to take uh, Arizona State and Utah. 
Uh, Washington State and Oregon State would have gladly come to the Big 12. Um, you know, UConn, San Diego State, there were others that were very interested here. I mean, you know, I, I hope that attitude changes because the Big 12 is in a position of strength. We we Once we got Arizona, we didn't need Arizona State. In fact, we were probably doing Arizona a favor bringing in Arizona State because uh, Arizona State doesn't have much offer to offer that's not already in Arizona as is. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope the, the attitudes change and that, you know, we can get focused on playing the football and the basketball and everything uh, because these are – this is a big deal. This is a truck stop conference. Embrace it. Get ready to learn Big 12, buddy. I mean, I think that, you know, after OU and Texas decided to leave, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the nicknames, you know, we embraced the truck stop conference that, you know, a name that was meant to be derogatory. But another name that, you know, I don't feel like they embrace enough. Well, they did at first was obviously based off of a kind of a movie name, uh, The Hateful Eight. Um, and I think it's worked so far. And I enjoy that name more so than the Truck Stop Conference. But I do anticipate seeing um, this year just being out of the football games. I do anticipate seeing a lot of great, you know, no custom, custom truck stop conference shirts. Absolutely. And, and Tom, how about this? You know, this league, now that it's all settled, you have the eight teams that are remaining and eight new teams over the next two years. This is what I want. I want the to have the 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 hateful eight on one side, the grateful eight on the other. You should be happy to be here. Um, be happy to be here and enjoy the journey because the future's pride. The Big 12's established themselves as that number three league. Now what's next for the Big 12? Uh, Brett Yormark did get approval to explore expanding to 18 members. Um, they had conversations with Cal and Stanford. That didn't really go anywhere. It doesn't sound like the Big 12 is interested in Oregon State or Washington State or San Diego State at this point in time either, that they've kind of you know pushed that off to the side. Sound like ESPN was kind of pushing the Big 12 to look at some more West Coast teams to kind of fill some time windows there, uh, but that hasn't really worked out at least right now anyway. When I look at at least for those 17th and 18th members, okay, hear me out on this, Tom. Um, if you're Brett Yormark, you have, you got an A plus on this assignment, right? When it came to the media deal, when it came to expansion, you did everything you asked th that was asked of you. And then some, you got the, you got the passing grade and then some, um, now if you're Brett Yormark, I think as far as 17 and 18 go, if you're going to do that, this is where Brett Yormark says, okay. This is what I pulled off. Now you got to trust me on this one. We know Brett Yormark's a basketball guy. We know he's been talking to UConn and Gonzaga and potentially Villanova or Georgetown, whatever it may be. I think now the next step, if there is expansion of 17 or 18 teams, 
now is when they start to look at the basketball only members potentially, specifically UConn and a Gonzaga for that. See, I figured they would go maybe ACC route, and I think see, part, I don't well, think the ACC is going to implode just yet. I still think that's that's a year or two away. So I I do I do agree. I think they could go basketball power and go Gonzaga, UConn, San Diego State, something like that. But I I'm definitely not ruling out the potential. Just and I think Florida State is kind of like uh, if you ever took history class and the shot heard around the world. Um, um, can't even think of his name, but the guy who got shot and killed. Um, that literally I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it started World War Two, or maybe it was World War One. Whatever it was, um, that kind of thing. I think Florida State is in that driver's seat to start that. Um, and then all the news that I've heard is that Big 12 didn't take Wazoo and they didn't take Oregon State, mainly because, like, okay, yeah, they were on the outside looking in anyways, but at the same time, Big 12 was kind of waiting for Louisville and Pitt. And I think that's still a good potential. I I could see it going either way. I think they could maybe be waiting for Louisville and Pittsburgh or they could be waiting for obviously what you said, UConn, Gonzaga, San Diego State, whoever they can get um, for you know basketball only members. But right. I I will say if they do, if they were to take obviously San Diego State, if that's who they could get, I think they would figure out a way to welcome San Diego State into the football program just because they, you know, I don't I don't know how that would work. Yeah, yeah not same. a full revenue share, but a half or something. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe that maybe that's the possibility there. As far as the ACC thing goes, I mean, it's a ticking time bomb at this point, right? We knew the Pac-12 was a ticking time bomb. Now the clock shifts over to the ACC. And look, the revenue situation is not going to get better for the ACC. It's a bad contract for them, and they're stuck in it till 2036. And so Florida State, Clemson, Miami, and these others, they're going to lawyer up. They're going to try to get out of this contract, try to get out of their grant of rights, uh, come up with some agreement of some sorts and, you know, go on their separate ways. And, you know, you'll see Florida State and Clemson, you know, and, and Miami, Virginia, North Carolina, those five schools uh, might have their choice when it comes to, uh, you know, the Big Ten or the SEC. And then after that, everybody kind of picks for the, you know, the big 12 gets the leftovers. And I think you're looking at um, let's, let's take the basketball only schools out of the equation. Let's say you're at 16. Then you get your choice of four, maybe six uh, schools. And, you know, if you get like a Louisville or a Pitt, NC state, a Duke or something like that, maybe a Virginia tech, like all of a sudden, you know, you're a much different league and, you're a mega conference at that point. The Big 12, Tom, I'll put it this way. The moves they've made the last couple of weeks and what's coming ahead with the ACC, this conference has earned a seat at the table. They might not be the Big Ten of the SEC, but they belong there and they're not going anywhere. And this team, this, this league is at a position of strength for many years to come. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. And you know, just when it seemed like, you know, I was actually talking to our friend Billy Locke the other day. 
because um, we had talked prior to any of this going down, we had talked about making the trip to Tempe for Oklahoma State at Arizona State. And I don't know, but it's been a couple months ago before any of this went down or any of the probabilities that this could happen. We talked about it. And I was like, well, Billy, I got a bunch of work going on. It's just the timing's not going to be right. I'm not going to be able to make Tempe, but we'll figure out another game to go to. Well, this all dropped, and I just texted him, and I said, well, you know, this year, you know what? You know, fuck Tempe, Arizona. We'll make it there eventually, and we'll even go to Salt Lake City uh, eventually. And, and maybe, if uh, fate has it, eventually it'll line up where, you know, maybe Oklahoma State will play two away games, and it'll be, okay, they play in Provo, and then they play in Tempe, or they play in Salt Lake City, and then they play in Provo. Or maybe Salt Lake City and then Tempe. Um, and then we'll just make a trip out of it and go to both games, drive out there. Um, and like I said, make a trip out of it, stop by Vegas on the way, um, and, and make it a, a full 10-day trip. Right. Yeah, you'll have plenty of chances in the uh, in the future still make that trip to Tempe as far as that goes. Big 12's in a good spot now. As far as everything else goes, uh, so we're waiting on the ACC. Um, you know, they're they're looking at Cal and Stanford, but it doesn't sound like they have the votes for that. SMU has also been brought up, and they're willing to not take a revenue share of any kind for five to seven years, which is just insane. It's a sign of desperation to get into a power conference uh, as far as SMU goes. But, I mean – you know, those schools trying to go to the ACC, that's just jumping on a sinking ship at that point. Like, that league is going to fall apart. So, um, I can't imagine, Tom, that Florida State and Clemson and these schools are, are going to want to stay because you added Cal and Stanford. Like, oh, so now we're going to make the same money we are making before, and we're going to have to pay even more in travel expenses to go across the country to play you know, Cal and Stanford, who just suck uh, in the sports that matter, football and basketball, no thanks. Like, that's the, that's the problem with the ACC is that, sure, they've expanded. They've gotten up to a 14-team league in football and 15 in other sports when you had Notre Dame, but it's not like that they've ever added quality to that league. Like, I mean, Boston College, uh, you know, the, the, the teams they've added, you know, Pitt, Syracuse, whatever, they could have done so much better than who they added. Like, okay, fine. Like, Cal and Stanford, that's not going to move the needle for you. Yeah, no, you're right. It's not going to. And then, you know, you, you mentioned the travel expenses. It just doesn't make sense. Like, you would have to change it. At that point, you know, we went talking about, like, uh, you know, this conference realignment and how that, the regions don't really make sense anymore. Well, you can't really call it the Atlantic Coastal Conference and then have two teams on the West Coast. Yeah, at, at that point, you got to change the name to C2C or CTC. And or Coastal you're just the ACC Conference. without being an acronym. Right, you'd have to change it to the Coast to Coast Conference. Like, it just, at that point, like, um, I did see a tweet I thought was funny. Someone said, you know, any conference that has, um, like, regional name in them anymore just doesn't make sense. Or, I, and, and I think they also mentioned any team with the with a number with a number in the conference uh, doesn't make sense at this oh. point. Um, I mean, 
you call it the Big 12. You can't really – I mean, it's the Big 12 by name, but obviously you want to count them up. Doesn't it make sense? The Big 10, that that's – can't you can't call it that anymore. Well, they are. Like, that's their brand. They're going to stay with the Big 10 name forever. The Big 12 – We've heard from Brett Yormark that they're looking at uh, a rebrand of possible name changes early as next year, potentially. But, yeah. Um, now, Oregon and Washington, let's talk about them. They're moving to the Big Ten. Um, they get a partial revenue share, around $30 million, um, compared to the rest of the Big Ten, which gets about $70-plus million. So, Rutgers is going to make uh, – double and then some of what Oregon and Washington make. Um, with that said, Tom, these are two top 15 programs. Uh, I know USC and UCLA didn't want them to go to the Big Ten because they wanted that recruiting advantage. But the Big Ten, you had to make things easier on travel for uh, your schools to have more West Coast. You want to own the West Coast. You got two of the marquee schools there. They wanted to be there badly. Uh, I thought this was a win-win uh, for the Big Ten and for Oregon and Washington to go where they wanted to go the entire time. You know, we, we talked about Oregon and Washington possibly in the Big 12, but what did we say for the entire time? We know where they want to go. It's the Big Ten. And even if they join the Big 12, they're still likely to join the Big Ten down the road. So it didn't really make sense. I'll say this. There is a faction of folks uh, that are upset about, wow, maybe Oregon's not going to play Oregon State. Or Washington's not going to play Washington State anymore, and and vice versa, whatever it may be. The bottom line is this, Tom. I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, I rather see Oregon play Ohio State than I would see them play Oregon State. I rather see Washington play Michigan than I would see them play Washington State. Like, what? Sure, you might lose these rivalries and tradition and all that, but. The truth of the matter that nobody wants to admit that's 100% true is that conference realignment is actually creating better matchups and better football than what we would have been stuck with otherwise. And I think Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten is a perfect example of that. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned that not only in the Big Ten, Pac-12 type thing. Obviously, the, the main one that's closest and nearest, dearest to our heart is Bedlam. But at the same time, you ask any OSU fan, you know what? Yeah, we can nix out Bedlam. You know, I would much rather see OU get beat by Alabama than having a scheduled loss on my favorite team's program in November. Um, you know, if OSU doesn't have to play OU and, and lose, you know, eight or nine out of ten, then well, I'll be. I'd rather like to I'd rather see them get that ass kicked, you know. It it make a it make a weekend in November a little bit easier on me, um, you know. I'd obviously like to see OSU uh, have more of a competitive advantage against OU, and if that was the case, if it was more like a fifty fifty and not like ninety seven nineteen and two, um, then yeah, that would be cool. But you know, I'm sure you know Oregon State at this point. The only reason Oregon State's upset about getting that ass kicked by Oregon every year. It's not because, oh, well, we missed the rivalry and, you know, like, sure, Oregon can play Ohio State and that's going to be a better matchup. Well, for Oregon State, like, yeah, we'll take getting our ass kicked as long as we still get revenue share and don't become irrelevant. Like, right. if they had a conference to go to, then they'd probably be like, yeah, fuck Oregon. But they don't. Right. And so they're, you know, they'd rather take one loss each year against Oregon and get that ass kicked 
than to become irrelevant, which is what's going to happen to Oregon State and Wazoo. Yeah, and like you want to talk about their revenue. Let's say they go to the Mountain West. They're going to go from making $20 million a year in TV revenue to about five. That means drastic change in your athletic department. Um, and not to mention paying, you know, coaches and and how are players and others going to stay and such. I mean, it is a disaster if uh, if they ultimately get what's handed to them, if this goes down the way it looks of them being in a, you know, merge Mountain West Pac-12, or if they have to go to the Mountain West outright, like it doesn't look good uh, for Oregon State or Washington State as far as that goes one way or the other. But uh, with that said, you know, this was this was so all avoidable. And uh, I, 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 the only people I feel for here, Tom, are Oregon State and Washington State fans because they didn't bring this on themselves. They just supported their programs as much as they could um the way the cookie crumbled like i feel for those programs uh, for their their fans what they were handled but at the end of the day as consumers we're about to get a better product there's going to be more money that's going to be made um at at the end of the day this is a win for college football all of this for the most part is a good thing there is more good than bad that comes out of realignment i i'm so sick and tired tom of hearing people say, man, I hate realignment. This sucks. You know, um, I would say for us, Tom, it did suck, you know, 12, 13 years ago when we were on the other side of it, when Colorado, Nebraska, Texas A&M, and Missouri left the Big 12. And, uh, you know, we added West Virginia and TCU, you know, and and that whole debacle, not knowing if the Big 12 is going to survive and all that. and, And, like, that wasn't fun. I understand that, but now we fast forward to now and the way this round worked out for most parties involved, a very small minority, um, that being Oregon state and Washington state, basically it worked out for the better of the sport. This, I think realignment, this round of realignment was a good thing. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think it's a good thing too. Not only for just the matchups and things like that in general, I, as a fan, obviously I'm not in the position that Wazoo and and Oregon State are, but, you know, as a fan, I'm super excited because I can see my team play in just a multitude multitude of different venues now. You know, I can go to, you know, well, don't get me wrong, Provo is not on my, you know, list of places that I really want to go by any means. I know there's one bar in Provo and I would like to, be able to say in my lifetime that I was a part of the fan base that drank the one bar in Provo completely dry. I definitely want to be able to say that. Um, but, you know, to go, like, have you seen BYU Stadium? It's beautiful. Right. Uh, it's incredible. Utah, to go in there and play there. I mean, to go to Arizona, I mean, and, and go to both of those stadiums. Hell, to go to Orlando in November and it not be balls ass cold. Um, and, and to go to the bounce house to there to go eat shitty skyline chili. And, you know, I don't know what there's talk about Cincinnati, but I could always travel from Cincinnati and go to Canton, Ohio and see the NFL hall of fame. I would never, I would never go to Ohio if it wasn't for that. 
you know, I could go to Houston. No one really gives a shit about Houston, but I could also go there um, to see my team, uh, you know, play against a new member. It's, it's exciting if you're in one of these top conferences. I mean, look at for OU fans. Holy shit. Like if, if, if it was OSU going to the SEC, I would understand like, yeah, I'm probably going to go to Brian Denny Stadium and watch my team get that ass whooped, but I would still go. I could go to Death Valley and potentially see OSU get that ass whooped against LSU, but I would still go to Baton Rouge. I could go see him in Auburn. I could go to Gainesville. I could go to Ox. Well, I don't know how many people want to really go to Mississippi, but I could go. I could go make a weekend out of it. You know, if you're an OU I don't know fan. why anyone wouldn't want to go to the Grove in Oxford. That's one of the best tailgate scenes in America. Right, right. I'm just saying Mississippi in general, but. You know, for an OU fan, if you're like thinking a surefire, you know, game where we're going to go in and whoop that ass, hey, how about a weekend in Nashville and watch your team beat the shit out of Vanderbilt? Right. That sounds like a great time. So for the majority of these fans, and and for us, and just for anybody that's in conference of alignment that got the better end of the stick, it's a win-win. Most uh, most programs, it worked out. Um, it's a good right. thing for this. The, the good of the sport. Um, we mentioned the ACC thing still has to be figured out. That's the next domino to fall. One more thing I'll bring up before we bring in Carter Stanley here, Tom. The playoff, I still think, needs to be figured out, too. What The way the playoff is supposed to be structured for next year is that you have 12 teams and the six highest-ranked conference champions get automatic bids. If we're living in a world where it's four super conferences, or even three super conferences, I don't see any way or any justification for that matter of why, you know, the Sun Belt or whatever is left over this Pac-12 Mountain West, American, you know, if basically every conference champion, if the little sisters of the poor conference champion is going to make the playoff, like, I don't see that holding up. If, if you made me in charge, what I would do is I'd say, all right, Pac-12, you lose your Power 5 status. You're 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 going to the group of five now, and you call it group of six, whatever. And, you know, we'll, we'll call the ACC a power conference for now. Let's just say that they are for the moment without any changes. And the only automatic bids are going to the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12, and then the rest will do wild cards from there, like – I, I don't see any way that the way Realign is going, how you can hold up with the idea of giving those conferences an automatic bid to the playoff. Yeah, no, and I, I obviously when they did this, when they kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, they, when they made the rules of who's going to do what and who's going to get in how, obviously I don't think, I think they saw some of this realignment coming, but maybe not so fast and maybe not such in the quantity, you know, that happened. Um, so, you know, I think they will adjust. It. Well, I don't think that they will. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll, they'll have to. It's just, it's just a, it, it will happen. They'll have to adjust, um, you know, in the first year, maybe, well, I really don't know what's going to happen. Maybe, you know, the the maybe this is the year that Wazoo says fuck the system, runs the table and pulls the TCU and makes it in. I I hope if they the do. The system stays as is. 
Oregon State's going to make the playoff every damn year. <laughs> well, I'm saying, I'm saying, well, I'm saying this year specifically. Obviously, you know the the Pac-12 schools that are Pac-12 by name only still for this year. Um, you know, will will play each other and do that thing. And so, for if I had to root for something to happen, and I'm I'm more, and it's weird to say this, I'm more partial to Washington State just because of Mike Leach and. You know, I, I should be more partial to Oregon State because they share the same name as OSU and being OSU. But right, go at on, the same go time, on. I hope I hope Washington State pulls off the unimaginable, pulls a miracle, or I hope I say that I hope one of those two teams pulls off the unimaginable as a um, you know a remember the Titans, Rudy, radio, great sports movie type run, and and uh, you know takes one year pulls a TCU and wills themselves into, uh, you know, not being rele- relegated to the fucking Mountain West. Right. I mean, because that's the it won't happen, but are, are we going to give, you know, a school like Troy a spot in the playoff as the Sun Belt champion rather than a, I don't know, two loss Florida Gators team that finished third in the SEC. You know what I mean? Like, eventually, we got to separate the haves and the have-nots. The You got something against Troy? Sorry, Troy. You know, it, it just it <laughs> ain't happening. There's not a seat for you here. I, I'm sorry, but I'd rather see, you know, the fighting Tim Tebow's in all their glory playing for – their boy, Aaron Hernandez, you know, and, and Urban Meyer and all the legends of Florida, you know, I mean, and, and the Pouncey twins, you know, in their honor, you know. So, um, but we'll see. A lot to be worked out, but I think things are heading the right direction as far as I'm concerned. More with Carter Stanley. We'll get his thoughts on uh, how this affects the KU perspective and also talk some Kansas football, some Big 12, some NFL conversation with Carter when he joins us. Later on, Coach Bo is going to be here for the football fix. Also, uh, we're going to do a draft of the last meal before you die. And then uh, we'll have Tom Fullery coming up later. More to come. Stay with us. We continue on the Jones Report. Connor Stanley joins us next. Join us now, the Jones Sport this week. Pleased to welcome back former Kansas quarterback Carter Stanley to the program as we talk all things KU and the new look Big 12 conference and more as Carter joins us right now. Carter, welcome back. It was great seeing you at the uh, Liberty Bowl. I know things didn't go the way we wanted to on the scoreboard, but you and I were just talking before the show started and what an incredible atmosphere it was. Uh, there at the game and just leading up uh, of how well the uh, the Jayhawk faithful showed up and showed out there. What a, what a fun experience that was. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, always great seeing you. And yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awesome game. Awesome atmosphere. Um, yeah, it was just great seeing all the KU fans that showed up for that. It was uh, for sure. And, and I'm looking just going forward here. I know it not trying to get ahead of myself here, Carter, but I can't help but think about just those trips going forward, you know, of, of, of what's to come. Like I, we're, we're not stopping anytime soon with these. No, sir. Yeah. Hey, Pasadena coming soon. Rose bowl. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for a lot of uh, future bowl games. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Carter, first off, I'm sure people are curious, what's uh, what's been going on in your world these days? Uh, I hear you're playing a lot of golf right now, right? Yeah, yeah, living down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, <clears throat> yeah, nothing, nothing too new, just, you know, working down here, doing a uh, wealth management job, really liking it, um, living with my girlfriend, Courtney, and um, yeah, playing, playing golf on the weekends a lot not getting uh not getting any better but you know still loving it are you uh is there any interest or any phone calls for one of these spring football leagues there's so many of them now is there any chance we see you back on the football field or maybe coaching anytime soon yeah i mean probably probably not playing uh you know i definitely definitely hung it up a while ago i i think uh i think i'd be a little bit too light a little bit too slow and and every time i seem to throw the football now my shoulder is sore for a week but um <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, I'm looking into maybe coaching like a uh a youth team in the area and you know that's something I wanted to do last year but I had just moved to St. Pete so um yeah it was just kind of all too new and and this year the only thing that's kind of holding me back is just a lot of traveling this fall you know for weddings and you know going to some football games but yeah, I, I do want to get involved with, uh, <clears throat> you know, coaching a youth team in, in some capacity, though. That'd be great. That'd be great to see you out there. Uh, Carter, first and foremost, uh, let's uh, let's start with uh, what we've seen out of these uh, moves here at the Big 12. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah joining the league uh, after what's been a crazy couple of weeks of conference realignment. What was kind of your reaction to see uh, those schools join the Big 12? Uh with uh, Colorado specifically making its uh, return to the league. Yeah. I mean, Colorado, that's one, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I started playing for KU in 2015, just being like a college football fan all my life growing up, I was, I was bummed that Colorado was in the big 12 because, you know, that just seems like such an awesome place to, to go and, and play a game. But um, so, yeah, super excited for them to join. And, you know, I think the other, uh, the other teams are good additions as well. You look at Utah and, you know, I feel like, you know, I, th I think they've played in the last two Rose Bowls. Um, you know, they're they're always going to be a, a good program as as long as Kyle Whittingham's there. Um, <clears throat> and then Arizona, Arizona State. You know, I like how those two stayed together because you know there was a lot of talk that just Arizona was going to maybe join. And you know, I kind of hate. That's where you know with this conference realignment breaking up some of those rivalries. I I kind of hate that. So. Um, you know, part of me, part of me does, you know, I'm not a big fan of the conference realignment initially, but, you know, now that it's obviously full steam ahead, I'm, I'm kind of a fan and I'm happy how it worked out for the big 12. Oh yeah. A big win in, in, in KU's position, you know, here they were a couple of months ago when Oklahoma and Texas left and no one knew exactly what was going to happen. Now KU with where their athletic department is at and where the big 12 conference is at, this is a position of of strength of sorts. I, I feel like just as a whole right now, Carter, this is the strongest uh, KU's been just with, with their future, uh, with the conference situation figured out and where athletics are going probably in, in, in a long time, maybe ever right now. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, if you look at, uh, you know, I forget when Texas and Oklahoma officially announced that they're going to the SEC, but, you know, around that time, obviously, we hadn't had last year's football team. So, you know, football was still at a low point, definitely. And, um, 
you know, since then, and the Big 12 conference as a whole was definitely up for question. Um, you know, I'd say we were probably the weakest conference out of all five, you know, after Texas and Oklahoma announced that they're going to leave. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible what's really kind of transpired the last 18 months and going to be more excited. You know, everyone <clears throat> everyone's bought in uh, as far as the administration, the donors, obviously the coaches. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, what lies ahead. Oh, no question about it. Uh, going to be great to see this this future for uh, this conference and and uh, this football program of of those four new members that uh, that are coming in. What 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 intrigues you the most? Like I, I know that uh, you know you, you and I were talking beforehand. We'd love to make these these KU road trips. What what's the one you want to go to first of these uh, these new member schools coming in? Well, I mean, I guess. I guess it's eight, you know, if you think about it, it just, yeah. it's, it's just crazy. Cause you know, I feel like the uh, UCF Houston BYU and Cincinnati, you know, those four, it's almost, I don't want to say forgotten that they're joining, but obviously with the recent news of the, the four new schools joining, it's kind of become more normal that they're part of the big 12, but, you know, I'm definitely really excited to go to Colorado. I'll definitely be going there Boulder um I'd say the Utah schools as well Utah and BYU <clears throat> I just love you know I love the Rocky Mountains um you know really I don't think I've been out there in two and a half years so definitely looking forward to some of those uh you know Rocky Mountain schools and you know Arizona as well I've, I've only been to Arizona once but um spent some time in Scottsdale with some friends and you know that's not a bad spot so definitely looking uh to get out there as well Oh yeah, I can't wait uh, to get to these places and uh, CKU represented. It'd be great to, to have them apart. Uh, Carter, as as a former player, take me in. I know one of the things that uh, has kind of been pushed by the wayside is the the athletes, the student athletes, uh, in all this of you know what they're about to take on here. I know football might not be as bad as some of the other sports, but do you think? whether it's the big 12 or the other other leagues that have expanded their footprint as long as they had here, how big of a deal is it for these athletes to take on more travel and away from, uh, you know, the, from campus and class time and all that? Uh, how much of an effect do you think this is of this, uh, this expansion on, on those athletes there? Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why I kind of hated it initially when um, USC and UCLA announced that they're going to join the big 10 because you know, I just thought about, I think it was uh, 2016, we were playing at Texas Tech on a, a Thursday night, and it was like a primetime game, 8 p.m. kickoff, and, you know, we go down there, Patrick Mahomes uh, put up a, a few yards and some points on us, and, you know, we head back home, and I vividly remember we got back to Lawrence at like 5 or 5.30 in the morning, and I had like this accounting presentation literally two and a half hours later at 8 a.m. at this like Friday morning accounting lab. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel bad. I mean, it's it's tough. Like I couldn't imagine being a player for, you know, say USC or UCLA going to Rutgers on a Saturday night, not getting back until, you know, I mean, I don't even know how they're going to do it. I guess they'll maybe stay until Sunday to fly out. But you know, I, I think that is kind of a mess. And you hit on a good point how 
football doesn't matter as much because, you know, we're kind of privileged in, in the sense that, you know, you're getting chartered planes and all this stuff kind of at your fingertips. But some of these other sports that aren't bringing in as much revenue, it's it's going to be kind of tough to do all that traveling and, and the balance of school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully the accounting uh, presentation still worked out for you. Uh... <laughs> well, luckily it was a, it was a group presentation. So I, uh, I forget, I forget my partner's names, but no, they, they definitely carried me on that one. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Uh, <laughs> but with that said, you know, you, you look at the, the big 12 point of view of Arizona, Arizona state, Utah, on one end, UCF on another in, in Kansas, you know, their standpoint being right in the middle of this, I guess in KU's case of everything that's gone on of the eight teams that stayed, the eight that are coming in. Uh, I, I would say that it worked out for them about as well as anybody could have of their travel uh, is going to be about the same either direction looks like. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. It, uh, it definitely, I'm, I'm really happy with how it worked out for KU. Um, you know, like you said, geographically, it's it's not too much of a change as far as travel. Um, and then, you know, the new members that we got, they they are great athletic programs and, you know, definitely in, in some big markets with Houston, uh, Orlando, with UCF and, you know, Cincinnati, all, all these new uh, programs definitely have a good following. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm just happy it worked out for KU. Uh, let, let me ask you this one more thing, and then we'll move on. We can talk some uh, about this year's team. Uh, I know it's a long shot, but we've heard some Mizzou fans uh, say that they would love to be back in the Big 12 uh, to see that program make its return. As a KU guy yourself, would you like the idea of Mizzou coming back and that rivalry being renewed every year in the same league again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would love that. That's uh, you know, That's another school certainly where – you know, by the time I, I joined at KU, they were already gone for, you know, I think roughly three, maybe four years. So, you know, I'd only heard about the stories of, of those, you know, rivalries. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely wish I was a part of that game. But, um, no, I mean, I think I speak for a lot of KU fans where I say we, we would definitely welcome that one back. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it would be great to see. As far as this year's team goes, uh, obviously a lot of, hope and optimism going into 2023 uh what's kind of your expectations uh what do you think would be a successful year in uh season three for a Lance Leipold here yeah uh man I mean before I you know give expectations or you know any sort of high hopes or predictions I'm, I'm just you know I'm so happy for that program right now and you know people forget that Coach Leipold before the 2021 season, just, uh, you know, him and his staff, they showed up after spring ball. They had, they had nothing to do, uh, you know, to build in, in the winter and in the spring. They just showed up at summertime. And, you know, obviously uh, the record that first year, understandable, still wasn't good. But we all saw the fight at the end of 2021. And that clearly carried over into last year with uh, – you know, them starting five and oh, six game hosting TCU and, you know, really losing on the last play of the game, essentially with, uh, you know, Jalen Daniels getting hurt in the first half. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy for where they're at right now, but, 
Um, this year it's, it's interesting because, you know, obviously they got a lot of guys coming back, um, you know, a lot of key guys as well. So, um, you know, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they really haven't had any sort of staff turnover, which is always good. And, you know, I think, uh, big 12 is definitely going to be competitive this year. I don't think there's, you know, truly a, a juggernaut of a team like we've kind of seen in the past with maybe Oklahoma or, you know, if you want to date it further than that. Texas and, you know, TCU, Baylor, some good teams the past five, 10 years. But um, I think there's a lot of very high caliber teams that are, you know, going to be nine to 10 win teams in the Big 12 this year. So I don't know. With that being said, I, I think realistic is, uh, you know, seven and five would be great. Eight and four would be incredible regular season. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think if, uh, we just continue to build and and get to another bowl game. I, I think it will be a success. Yeah. Uh, from a quarterback standpoint, uh, watching Jalen Daniels play, I'm, I'm just amazed of, of what he's able to do, not just the running ability, but the way that he's developed as a passer. What, what's kind of your takeaways? What makes him so good? Cause he's certainly come a long way from when he arrived on campus when he was coming out of high school. He wasn't known to be much of a passer back then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching him <clears throat> 2020 season and, uh, you know, I think he got his first start in the second game of the year at Baylor. And, uh, you know, that the, the roster was kind of in a tough spot, you know, the offensive line that year definitely struggled. And, you know, you're, you're looking at this 17 year old kid out there playing against a Baylor and, you know, Dave, uh, Aranda, I think that's their coach's name, yeah, yeah. you know, his defense, like, I mean, it was, it was tough, you know, cause he, he really had no time, but you could kind of see the potential. He was still ripping those, those passes and um, no, it's, it's incredible how much he's developed. And what, what I was really impressed with last year was his poise and just, uh, you know, he's really going through all the reads. He's trusting the system. Um you know, which brings up another topic that that Cottlenicky offense is just unbelievable. You know, some of the uh, the schemes that they they put together and the plays are just incredible to watch. You know, it seems every every week they got something new. So, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with uh, how Jalen's played, and you know, Jason Bean as well. Jason Bean stepped in last year and you know had some really good games. Um, I think he played really efficiently overall. So, you know, they've they've done really well at that position recently. Yeah, and not only I think you have the best quarterback in the conference, uh, but the best running back, too, and Devin Neal. And we've seen Devin, uh, the way he's played since day one, has been fantastic here. How much does that help uh, a quarterback uh, like like Jalen Daniels here to have a run game that he can rely on and a star running back like like Devin here that, that's capable of breaking it away on any play? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely huge. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it one more and, and say even Daniel Hyshaw, you know, I think uh, I think he got hurt, unfortunately, against Iowa State. So I guess that was, you know, fifth game of the year. But, you know, he was essentially putting up the same numbers as uh, Devin Neal those first couple games and, you know, looked just as good. So, you know, those two combined with Jalen, who can obviously run, Jason Bean, you know, we're going to see him get in there and, and run as well, which he can really do well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the offense, and I think it's huge, the uh, the balance that they have. Yeah, and, and, and Devin, 
Um, yeah, I mean, you you got to play with some really good running backs uh, when you were at KU with guys like Khalil Herbert and Puka Williams. And I, I, I look at Devin, and to me, you mentioned Highshaw as well. Those, those guys belong right there in that same category, I think, personally, of of some of the running backs uh, that, that we've seen at KU. And, and, and you got to see right, right in your own backyard uh, some – some really good one ones. There's been a great run of running backs come through Lawrence as of late here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, both those guys, Khalil and uh, Puka, you know, when they first showed up on campus at KU, <clears throat> we, we knew they were going to be special. They, they just did everything right. Um, and, you know, when fall camp rolled around, they were just making incredible plays. And yeah, so it's, it's definitely, it's great that, you know, we got two good backs and, there's even some good running backs behind, uh, you know, Neil and, and Highshaw right now. They got Morrison. Um, you know, I think they got a transfer from Georgia Tech, McDuffie. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'll mention my guy, uh, Tory Lachlan, but oh, yeah. he's also, you know, he's quarterback, running back, receiver. He does it all. So, um, no, I'm, I'm super excited for those guys, and, and they definitely got a good stable of backs. I know that you guys, your final year, your your offense was was pretty explosive. You guys were able to put up points. In particular, I think about that Boston College game. How much fun would you have had playing in in this offense with what Jalen Daniels has to work with here? Yeah, no, it, it would have been it would have been fun. I uh, you know I look at um, again just watch all the games and, and every single play, and I'm just kind of my mind's blown at some of the schemes that that they run and so much things that are great for the quarterback. Like they'll do a lot of motions that help the quarterback identify the coverage, you know, whether it's man or zone pre-snap and um, they just come out, you know, last year they came out every game. They just seemed like so prepared and, and, you know, they execute well. And on top of that, on the games where they didn't maybe start off hot, they made really good in-game adjustments to make it work out. So, I mean, scoring 35 points per game last year, it's, pretty incredible and you know i think this year you know could probably even be better yeah uh i know there's some questions about the defense and you know there is some uh there, there is some good players on this defense you know kobe and, and others here what, what i wonder carter with the questions that there are on this defense just being real here do you think that we'll see this offense maybe try to slow things down run the football more in second half football games to kind of give some relief of sorts to that defense here? Do you think we'll see more of that and uh, kind of slow down the tempo, or or will the defense develop accordingly where the offense can play its own game? Yeah, no, that's a, you know, that's a great question, and it's definitely interesting because if you go back and look at KU playing Oklahoma in 2021, you know, Oklahoma comes in and I think Caleb Williams had just recently taken over the starting quarterback job. Obviously they got a Lincoln Riley led offense and, you know, known for being high powered and scoring a lot of points. And, you know, if you look at that game, KU just dominated time of possession. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, and, you know, that obviously helped out the, uh, the defense a lot. You look at the next year, last year, actually um, against the same team, Oklahoma and, it was kind of just the complete opposite. I, I think we were so confident in what our offense had done the first six games that, you know, we just figured we could kind of line up and, you know, pretty much last person with the ball would would win the game. And, you know, in that game that that obviously hurt us because they just had they had a lot of rushing yards and 
you know, I, I think uh, so. I think it all just depends on the opponent that they play, and you know, probably probably would be wise to maybe slow it down on offense and just kind of you know make sure we're being as efficient as possible. And you know, but we'll see. Connor Stanley joining us here in the uh, Jones Report this week. Uh, Connor, I know I mentioned Khalil Herbert, so I got to ask you. Um, you know, he's starting at running back for the Bears. Uh, you got, of course, Dorrance doing his thing there with the Dallas Cowboys, among others. How cool is it seeing some of these guys you played with, uh, some of these Jayhawks uh, in the NFL? I mean, some really good representation right now. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I was uh, I was just thinking about it the other day, and, I mean, gosh, there's, there's probably a, a dozen right now of, of guys – that are KU alum that are at least in someone's camp. You know, obviously some of those guys are established veterans, but, you know, there's even a, a number of rookies. Like I saw, uh, what's his name? Lon- Lonnie Phelps playing for yeah. the Browns and, you know, typical Lonnie he was, he was playing like his hair was on fire, like always hustling. That's, uh, that's what he did last year for KU, but no, it's, uh, it's awesome seeing some of those guys, you know, Dorrance and I were same recruiting class, Daniel Wise, I just saw him at a, <clears throat> at a wedding just recently, and, you know, he's fired up. He's now in Kansas City. So, no, it's it's so cool to see some of those friends, you know, just still playing here five, six years out of uh, out of school. Now, I didn't know this till we were talking before the show. You're, you're an Eagles fan. I'm sure you've probably heard a lot from these, uh, from, from these Chiefs fans uh, that are – you probably went to school with or, or know just from being at KU uh, – they're giving you a lot of grief over the uh, the last few months over that Super Bowl loss. Yep. No, still, still hearing it somehow, some way, uh, you know, the defensive pass interference on the last play that, that gets brought up almost weekly, the, uh, the field conditions, you know, the slippery field that gets brought up and Hey, n- none of it's by me. No, I'm not bringing it up, but uh, no, it just, it, it's funny. Definitely, definitely have heard a lot about it, but yeah, excited to um, you know I'm planning on going to that uh, Kansas City and in Philadelphia game on November 20th Monday Night Football. So definitely excited for that. Uh, Going to be with some Kansas City friends. So hopefully get a little bit of redemption. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and that that Eagles team. Uh, let, let me ask you about that then. As an Eagles fan, that team. I know they lost some guys, but I, I thought Howie Roseman did a really good job to still hold that team together, uh, especially what they did in that draft. I mean, no, no question. The Eagles got to be the favorites, the NFC again. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd certainly think so. I, yeah. How he, how he's a wizard. I, I don't know how he pulls it off. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible because that's what made that Super Bowl loss kind of sting a little bit more. Cause you know, I figured probably half a dozen more guys would be gone, but you know, they did a lot of uh, reconstructing or reconstructing of some contracts and um, obviously killed it in the draft from the looks of it so far. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for them this year. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you guys, I, I can't remember if you played against him or not, but you guys were both in college around the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, – yeah, my last year was his last year when he transferred to Oklahoma, his one year there, and – um yeah he was he was impressive back then and you know even even more impressive now it's it's really uh it's really awesome to see how much he's developed as a passer because you know if you look back at his days at Alabama he was definitely you know more of a runner and 
Um, he could still make some throws, but his his arm talent wasn't really elite. And um, no, he's he's just rapidly improved ever since then. And you know, definitely happy that uh, he's the quarterback for the Eagles right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, playing against Jalen and some of these others. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Who who were some of the the other guys that that stood out to you that uh, maybe were great in college or? are now making an impact in the pros. Who, who are some of those guys that, that come to mind that you got your eye on maybe when you're watching on Sunday's quarter? Yeah, so five years straight, um, you know, playing against Oklahoma, we played three really bad quarterbacks named Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. Um, obviously, you know, kidding with the, the bad, but, you know, those guys were incredible. And, you know, you throw them in Lincoln Riley's uh, – offensive scheme and it was almost like a cheat code but um same thing with Patrick Mahomes watching him play played against him for two years and him being under uh Cliff Kingsbury at the time that was you know kind of same deal and you know back then with Mahomes it was definitely more raw talent you know he he had his turnovers and he had his uh you know kind of boneheaded plays at times but I mean, man, when, when he was on, he was on and, you know, you, you knew he was special, but yeah, definitely, definitely a good amount of offensive firepower in the big 12. Uh, you know, it's, it's been like that way for, you know, probably two decades now, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun playing in, in that conference. Yeah. Well, and I know that maybe the wins weren't, weren't there, but I mean, you mentioned some of those guys, you know, I mean, you went toe to toe, there was a shootout where you guys were very competitive with that Patrick Mahomes, Texas tech team, uh, we mentioned the win against Boston College. A.J. Dillon, who's turned out to be a really good uh, NFL running back, was on the other side for B.C. Um, some of these games here, I mean, where you went up against future NFL talents, that cool to look back saying like, hey, maybe we didn't get the win, but we went toe-to-toe with, with guys that ended up being some of the best of the best. Yeah, no, no, definitely is. Um, you know, especially uh, <clears throat> especially flipping on your TV on, on Sunday and seeing these guys tear it up in the NFL, it's – it's definitely cool to just kind of, you know, some of the guys you, you shake your head a little bit, you know, ha- happy for them, but, you know, just remember at, uh, you know, how good they were for, uh, you know, the big 12 school they played for, but yeah, definitely cool. Cool. Seeing those guys all in all. Yeah. We got a, l- a little bit of time left. So I want to ask you, we, we mentioned uh, the schedule for KU this year, what's ahead and everything. I know you're going to make a few road trips. What kind of you looking forward to most, this season here in 2023, what, what games kind of catch your attention there? Yeah. So, you know, probably, probably the two games that I'm planning on going to, <clears throat> which will be uh, KU at Texas. Um, you know, obviously the last time they're matching up as big 12 opponents. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it'll be a great game. You know, obviously they, they got us last year kind of expected. We were, we we're banged up a little bit and, especially considering what happened in 21 where we go in there and upset them. So, you know, figured we were going to get their best game, but no, I think this year it's, it's going to be really exciting watching that one. And uh, also uh KU K state game, you know, I, I think um, that would be a great game as well. Last year, the uh, final score might not reflect it being a close game, but, you know, we, we made a great run there in the second quarter and, and made it really competitive at the end. And, you know, I, th- I think this year will be a really good game. So, you know, I'd say Texas and, and K-State game. Yeah, I- I'm looking forward to those two. And I'll be at the Texas game and definitely have to uh, link up while we're down there. Carter, appreciate right. your time. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. And uh, 
we'll definitely be uh, talking again. Certainly an exciting season ahead for Kansas football. And uh, best of luck. Can't wait to see uh, whenever the day comes when we see you on the sidelines, man. Yes, sir. Tyler, I really appreciate it, man. Time for Coach Bill's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. You can find O'Connor Advisor Group online, OHGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, and also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, plenty to talk about with conference realignment, NFL training camps, and all that. But from the business side, I got to ask you about this big deal uh, of Borstool going back to Dave Portnoy. Penn selling, and then Penn doing business with ESPN now yeah. as they'll convert the Barstool Sportsbook to ESPN Bet, but ESPN not going to own a sportsbook. It's a licensing deal here. What do you make of everything that's gone on here with all parties involved? Okay, this is, this is going to be an interesting story for a long time. This is going to take a long time to develop as well. First, the Barstool stuff. Um. Portnoy did not fleece Penn Gaming. Um, if I, I was on Twitter last night and saw the info, people saying, oh, man, he got half a billion dollars. They gave it back to him. No. This was Dave Portnoy got told by Penn Gaming to go sit at the kitty table. Um, like the guy's made a lot of money. He's made a significant more amount of money than you or I are ever going to make. Um, but what this, in essence, is, is Penn has said there is no value in owning Barstool. That there's no significant value in ad revenue to own it. There's no value in using the name for their sports book. Um, it's, they're having licensing issues. They're having issues because of Dave Portnoy and some of the things that he does to where it's making it difficult to get licensing in certain states. They're not grabbing the larger percentage of players in the states they're currently in. Um, you know, as we saw here in Kansas, they're not doing very well here in Kansas. Um, they're in with a casino company with Get Pen Gaming that owns, I think it's 40 casinos, none of which are in Las Vegas, none of which are international outside of a couple in Canada. So I... For Penn, this is a better deal. It was a better deal to get out of their deal with Barstool, give those assets back to the one person who would want them, get him to the kitty table where he has no deceit on the board of directors at Penn, doesn't have any say. He owns uh, one half of 1% of the total stock in the company. The majority owners of Barstool going in with the churning group, they're going to remain a major player in Penn Gaming. They have people on the board of directors. Uh, they knew all about this. They were privy to this. And even they were thinking it's a better deal to give Barstool away to make a deal with ESPN. Even paying as much money as they're going to have to pay ESPN, I think it's 150 million per year for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, that's a better deal because the name recognition. You can put ESPN on 40 different properties around the country in North America. You can put that on your app. 
which is now going to make them a player with DraftKings and Caesars and FanDuel. Just because they'll be able to advertise it now. The surprising piece to me, um, I'm not surprised by the deal itself. ESPN not buying the casinos does not surprise me either. That doesn't fit who Disney is. But what I do think it leads to on the Disney ESPN side, there's been a lot of whispers about will Disney sell ESPN? Will they spin it off into its own company? Will a private equity firm come in and get it? Um, I remember reading this week, and we're doing some calculations, that ESPN's value is around $40 billion, which is about 10 times what Penn Gaming is worth right now. To me, this has private equity firm comes in, buys ESPN from Disney, spins it into its own company, runs it out publicly to a SPAC, and then goes and purchases Penn Gaming to give it some revenue current year while the people in charge figure out what the long-term vision of ESPN is going to be, streaming, cable, and everything else. It's a lot to unpack there. And, you know, what I find interesting in all this, too, is – the fact that ESPN, uh, no interest in owning a sports book. Sports books are moves, losing money left and right. And just selling their name for $150 million, like say what you want about ESPN. And I know that ESPN is, you know, taking a lot of PR hits themselves besides just Barstool. ESPN has over the last few years themselves. Mm-hmm. But the ESPN name and the brand still has so much more value. Like, I mean, they have an uphill battle, granted, to still try to compete with DraftKings and BetMGM yeah. and all that. It's still – it's not a guarantee that they're going to get to that level. Um, with that said, though, the ESPN name, like Barstool, it sounded like it, they were having problems reaching an older audience that actually had more money to gamble. Yeah. The ESPN audience is so broad – and you can promote this while games are going on in theory that you're going to get those heavy betters that you couldn't get with the Borstel brand. I tend to think so too. The other piece I'm wondering, and I, I just wonder if it's out loud to you for the first time, how much did Disney know, Disney being the parent company of ESPN, that they were going to make this deal when they did the Pat McAfee deal? Yeah. Because then I could see now Pat McAfee being involved with the ESPN bet thing as well. So it kind of being the replacement, if you will, of how do you get a younger audience? We'll use Pat McAfee. Use what you've got on television and streaming to bring in other betters as well. It is going to be an uphill battle. That's why I think that if you look at all the gaming companies, whether that's DraftKings, who right now is number one, with a bullet. It's they're doing it better than everybody else. FanDuel is number two. They're doing it well. Uh worldwide, FanDuel's doing it better outside the US than DraftKings is. But then if you look at BetMGM, Caesars, Barstool, none of them, they're all loss leaders to the other parts of the company. Yeah. And I wonder if. ESPN is going to look at this 
and say, okay, we have a licensing agreement, which means they don't have any skin in the game of a bar of of an app going south, not grabbing as much of a percentage of of gamblers out there as every, as other companies do right now. But the interesting thing to me, whether that's a year, two years, five years from now, someone's going to come along and say, here's how we can monetize that. Here's how we can use the revenue of the ESPN Sportsbook, the ESPN Bet app, I guess it's going to be called. Yeah. If it is successful and use that to then purchase and maybe expand the properties of a pen game. That, there's a lot to take in here. And the, the the short thing to me is that, you know, you talk about the different parties involved. Penn made a good deal to try to get more market share. ESPN is a bigger name than Barstool. It's a better, more trusted name. It's a better deal across the board. If you think about it, $150 million a year, it's $1.5 billion for the next 10 years. They paid an estimated five hundred for Barstool. Yeah, they're paying three to one the, for the deal with ESPN, and they're not giving up any equity for it. Right. So I think that's a big deal. Barstool just didn't give them what they wanted and what they thought they were going to get with that name in the beginning, as the apps expanded in the multiple, you know, twenty plus states now. But there are still states where you can't get the Barstool app. Right. It's just not approved. You know, each state has its own deal. Yeah, I mean, heck, even, uh, you know, at the in the state of Iowa, um, the, you know, the casinos up there had sports books, but not the Barstool sports branding um, associated with it. I don't know what that was about, but. Yeah, just very interesting. Uh, yeah, this is going to be, it's going to be very, and see, the thing is that Penn Gaming owns two casinos in Iowa. Yeah. And if there are other casinos in these states, they've branded all those sports books as Barstool. Like they have here in right. Kansas, but they didn't do it in Iowa. They couldn't, yeah. they couldn't get the licensing for it. Right. And as, you know, Dave Porter, I took credit for it, I took, you know, took the blame on He's an eight. Me being involved, him being involved with that was an issue. It right. was an issue with regulators. Right. And I think that that was something that both parties didn't think about going in. Yeah. They looked, they looked at, I think Penn looked at Barstool originally and thought this is a hip, young, we're going to get it at the ground floor and it's going to continue to grow. But it really, it's got caught up in the content business. And right now, no one's making money. Right. On streaming and content. Yeah. Um, with that said, let's uh, let's move on and talk about money. Uh, speaking of which, conference realignment uh, been a huge story uh, the last few days since the last time we talked. Oregon and Washington headed to the Big Ten. Uh, reports were that Fox basically told the Big Ten, we'll open up our pocketbooks to get Oregon and Washington over here. We'll pay to make it happen. They come in a reduced share, around $30 million, which is actually less than what the new – Big 12 members will get, but it's still significantly more than what it got in the Pac-12. And then the Pac-12 also loses Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big 12. They'll get full revenue shares at $31.7 million. Let's start with those uh, those five teams and their new destinations. At the end of the day, I, I know that 
the Pac-12 has all this history and tradition and these rivalries and all that. But these five schools, and you'd say the same for Colorado here, Bo, they had to look out and save their own ass. They had to do what was best for them, for their athletic departments, to be able to compete and survive in this market. Um, I don't blame them at all for this move. I, I know that some people are going to like, you know, the, the the long trips to the Midwest and, you know, places like Rutgers and UCF and stuff like that. But these schools, they had to do what they had to do here. Yeah, I figure you look at this now. This is, again, what they had to do to survive as far as athletic departments. And we've seen it going this way. This is not a new idea. If anyone was holding out hope, the Pac-12 was in trouble when they only had a streaming deal. Right. It's going to be Apple TV only. No one was staying for that. Uh, they couldn't keep anything together because of that. But then you look at, I've heard people say, well, what about, you know, this and, you know, this tradition and this tradition? Look, folks, there is no more tradition in college sports. This is a business. This is a hundreds of millions and now billions of dollars in business. The players are now getting paid. And they weren't just a few years ago. You know, players are now getting paid, you know, some of them a million dollars or even more a year. Some of them are getting paid a few hundred thousand or even 20 or 30,000. But they're all getting paid now. And I've heard people say, well, the money's ruining college sports. Look, the money was just going to, it was always there. It was just going to certain people. And those people weren't playing the games. It was the TV networks who were making money. It was the top people, the top brass in the athletic departments. This has always been a business. It's just become a more refined business because now there is more money in the rights to, to broadcast these games. And that's, you know, I don't see that it's a shame that we're not going to have an Oregon, Oregon State game possibly. You know, same as we don't have Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State anymore. Boo fucking who? You know what we do get now in college sports? Now we're going to get Oregon playing, you know, Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State every year. You want to see competitive sports in football? You want to see competitive sports in basketball? That's what this is. And, you know, and I'm just kind of a damn the traditions on this one now because there's no going back. And I think these teams, Oregon and Washington, made the best decision they could. They got into the Big Ten. That was the place you need to get to. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, they made the best decision for them. They got to the Big 12. They couldn't get to the Big 10. Can't get to the SEC. The next one's the Big 12. So now we're going to have three mega conferences. You know, I made the prediction this past week after this all happened, and I've been saying this for a while, we're going to end up with three 20-team conferences when this is all said and done. The Big 10 will add two more teams. The SEC will add four. The Big 12 will go to 20 at some point. And everyone else is getting left out. Right. It'll be the American Conference, the Conference USA, something else will be created. ACC, yeah. The ACC, yeah. The ACC is the next one. We've already got Florida State wanting to sue to get out of the out of their deal. If Florida State a week ago was willing to say out loud 
in public and on the record that they want to sue to get out of the ACC. Who do you think they're talking to behind the scenes? There's got to be five or six of them ready to go. And you don't think that Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, Clemson, Louisville, and a couple others aren't ready to go? You're wrong. They're ready to go. Let's be here just a second. Let's let's take one piece of Um, As far as what what goes on with, with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, you know, talking to Big 12 fans, I know there's some frustration of some say, you know, hey, they didn't even want to be here. You know, they're not excited to be in the Big 12 and all this. And I understand where folks are coming from, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it makes sense to the Big 12 when it comes to economics. You're right there in the footprint. You, you, you expand your reach. I mean, whether they want to be or not, those schools basically had no choice. And I mean, I, I think I said this in in in, uh, in a video I made the other day. You know, we we've been hearing about the Pac-12 making fun of this league as a truck stop conference, and we all know the Adam Silver meme. You know, uh, get ready to learn. In this case, Big Twelve, buddy. Like, sure, they might not want to be there or not, but they don't have a choice. And I mean, as you like to say all the time, either shit or get off the pot. Like, I, yeah. I think eventually, at the end of the day, Arizona State. Utah and Colorado, this is the bed, and, and they're going to have to live with it. I mean, um, it's might be strange belt, bedfellows, if you want to call it that, but it it's going to have to work itself out. This marriage is going to have to work one of the way or the other. You know, it's funny because the same thing was said a few years ago when the Big 12 added West Virginia. Yeah. You know, and they added UCF. You know, now they've, they've got a few other teams coming. Now you have these four coming in with Colorado and then the new three, the corner schools. Yeah, look, this makes sense. This makes sense. You're going to have to have 20. The thing that's going to be significant to me in the Big 12 is smart to do this. The Big 12 was smart because what will end up happening, mark my words, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC will all come together to market the playoff, the football playoff. And when they do, the Big 12 gets to be a part of that. Their champion will be guaranteed to get in. They'll also get a share just like the Big 10 in the SEC will. They'll get the same size share as those two other conferences. They're going to be the third mega conference. This was the only way to stay relevant. The biggest problem the Big 12 ever made was moving backwards from 12 to 10. Right. Then losing Oklahoma and Texas and going back to eight effectively. They did add four teams this year, but you're going to have to be a larger conference. And when the next negotiation comes up for this college football package, for the, the, the playoff, which is going to super expand now, these three conferences are going to make sure of it too. They're going to super expand this thing, whether that goes to 16 or 32, I, my guess is somewhere between 16 and 24 teams. But when they get there, these three conferences, the Big 12 played their hand perfectly. And by expanding and grabbing the corner schools, they guaranteed themselves a spot at that table. Yeah. Otherwise, the Big 10 and the SEC would have run it, everybody over. Right. Um, of those that are still waiting at this point, 
Cal, Stanford, uh, Oregon State, and Washington State. It seems like momentum is building for Cal and Stanford to head to the ACC and Oregon State and Washington State to be in what is left over, whether that's the Mountain West or a new league or those teams coming over and being the Pac-12, whatever you want yeah. to call it, what that is. With those four schools, um, I mean, it's it's an odd situation. You know, they're, they're kind of left hanging here. There's it, – it's – it's not going to be a, a great uh, resolution for these four. Everyone else, I think the other eight teams in the Pac-12 are, are feeling pretty good about where they ended up, even if, you know, Arizona State, Utah, and Arizona don't want to admit it out loud. Um, they're probably thinking to themselves, hey, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Those four teams, like, it's all a bad situation there. And then SMU potentially being involved, the ACC here too. I mean, uh, the ACC has never made good decisions when it comes to expansion. Yeah, the ACC has a problem. The ACC's problem is they have a television deal that's not up for another dozen years. Right. And it's not even close to competitive to what the other three conferences are, the major conferences. There are, again, I mentioned earlier, five to six schools, maybe even more, that are going to sue to get out. They're going to sue. They're going to come together. They're going to have enough of them come together to vote the ACC out. To, to leave. And it's going to be who falls where. The ACC is not going to end up with Cal and Stanford added to their current list of teams. To me, it is more likely that a half a dozen teams leave the ACC, head to the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC. And from there, you then see realignment and shuffling more in a geographic way that would include conferences like the, the American Conference, Conference USA, the Mountain West, uh, the West Coast Conference. And you'll see some sort of a shift there. But there'll be 60 teams. There'll be 60 football-wise, 60 teams. And if you're not one of those 60, you're going to be hard-pressed to get into a playoff. Because now an Oregon State, a Washington, a Cal, a Stanford, um, you know, a team like Virginia Tech, uh, NC State, you know, leftovers from the ACC, the ones that won't get picked up by the other three conferences, those teams are going to have to find a place to go and for them to be competitive football-wise, it's going to be, you know, the super halves and the and the somewhat halves. And they're going to have to find a way to make that work. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do think that becomes more geographic than anything else. And I think that the ACC schools are now in play. They're going to sue. And now it's going to be who picks who. The Big 12, and correct me if I'm wrong here, by adding Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah puts them at 16. Yes. Correct? Right. What four teams do you get if you're them? That's what you got to go. You got to figure out the best four left. Well, who do you go get? So, yeah. So, you know, the ACC, if you include Notre Dame, has 15 members. Yeah. Um. And so if you have 
18 in the Big Ten, 16 in the SEC, uh-huh. and 16 in, in the Big 12. At least 10 spots open. Right. Of those, let's, let's not even count Notre Dame for a second, yeah. of those 14 members. Uh-huh. So, you know, if the Big Ten takes two, the SEC takes four, then if you're the Big 12, I think you're looking at what, uh, of who's left at that point. Like a Louisville, Pitt, Duke, maybe an NC State, potentially Virginia Tech. I would think, Bo, I'm curious how you feel here. I think that the Big Ten wouldn't surprise me if they try to get a footprint in Florida with Florida or Miami or either one, especially Miami because they fit in academically. And then like a North Carolina or Virginia, I think that would be kind of where they're looking at. The SEC makes sense for Florida State, Clemson, those powerhouse schools, um, and and maybe a Virginia or something like that. And then from there, the Big 12 kind of gets the leftovers, what they want. Okay, here's what I would do if I was the Big 12. There's four teams. you got to go get four teams. You mentioned two of them already. I'd go get Louisville. I'd go get Pitt. They make a lot of difference. To me, those make a lot of sense. Louisville is Louisville is basically Cincinnati. It's another state. They're the one of the bigger teams in the state, them in Kentucky. Right. Uh, you get a good piece there. Pitt gives you a natural rival with West Virginia. It gives you a little more in that area, part of the country. I love that choice. I would try for North Carolina. I don't think they're going to end up there. I think North Carolina is going to end up in the Big Ten or the SEC. Yes. Um, the team that I think that no one's thinking about, the Big 12 could get if they tried. And I think that this school would be willing to listen is Clemson. Hear me out. Okay. South Carolina and Georgia do not want Clemson in the SEC. Clemson is two hours from, from Athens. It's two hours from South Carolina. South Carolina hates Clemson. They hate each other. They don't want to be in the same conference. Georgia does not want Clemson football in that conference. Clemson really doesn't want football-wise to be in the SEC. They don't want to be in a competitive football conference on the field. That's just not who Dabo Sweeney is. They would prefer to be in a different conference. The Big 12, by picking up Clemson, in a way, gets them a foothold into a higher-end football program that they really don't have right now. Yeah. It's a good replacement for Oklahoma or Texas. The fourth team, if I'm the Big 12, Notre Dame's got to do something. And I just got to go to them and say, who are you going to play? Because all your other rivals are in the Big 10. You either got to go to the Big Ten or come to us. I, I think we, Notre Dame's invite to the Big Ten is an open invite that they show up. In I think so too. I think it, I, I think the Big Ten's either going to take North Carolina in, in Virginia or Notre Dame and whomever. Right. That then leaves the SEC to pick off the the four they want. But from the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve's been aggressive. Well, how aggressive could you be if you were able to pick up Clemson and or Notre Dame? 
Yeah. Because I do think what you should also see, these three conferences are going to tell each other, we're in charge of the playoff, and we're not letting Notre Dame into this thing unless they join the conference. Yeah. And the Big 12 can say, you can be our marquee name. Can't do that. You can't do that in the Big Ten. You can't do that in the SEC. But they become the marquee name in the Big 12. But I'm the Big 12. I'm doing anything I can to go get them. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. There are basically 10 spots. There are roughly 15 teams for those 10 spots. If you figure, you know, 10 of them in the ACC, Notre Dame, and then the four leftovers of the Pac-12, if anyone wants it. Right. It's going to be interesting. There's not a lot of – there's not a, there's musical chairs, and there's not a lot of seats left. It's filling up. Definitely so. Um, let's move on now talk NFL. Uh, training camp's in full swing, which means hard knocks is uh, back on the air. I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched it yet. But uh, the Jets on hard knocks, I know they didn't want to be on hard knocks, but here they are. Bo, from what you've seen, what's been your takeaways uh, there at Jets camp? I, you brought up the they didn't want to be on there. I liked that they owned it. They asked Aaron Rodgers, plain and simple, why don't the Jets want to be on hard knocks? And he said, well, you know, it, it's just a, it's a thing. We just didn't want to do all this. They didn't want it to be all about, you know, the situation with me and everything else. It's pretty clear this season is going to be about Aaron Rodgers and his yeah. first year and what's going on there. Uh, there'll be more developments on other side. You know, there's always the the one or two rookies they're looking at, and they kind of gave us a glimpse of one in week one, but we never see that the week first week. We don't see who that is. They need a couple of weeks to shake out. Um, it was really a good introduction to who players were. We talked about Sauce Gardner and you know some of the stuff about him going back to college, finishing his degree up. Um, but it was a lie. It was heavy on Rodgers. If you don't like Aaron Rodgers, you ain't going to like this show. Um, but I will say, as someone who's been critical of Aaron Rodgers in the last two years, this made him seem more human and more likable and a little more down to earth. He, we don't, he doesn't seem like the, you know, COVID denying or whatever you want to go with on that. You know, he doesn't seem quite as out there as he was. It just, he seems a lot more down to earth. Seems like he likes New York, or at least likes Jersey, I guess. And it's interesting. We're going to see a lot more cameos, I think, throughout the DLA. This week they had, uh, when the Tiki Barber shows up, Red, uh, Method Man from the Wu-Tang Clan, um, Liev Schreiber breaks the fourth wall, and instead of narrating the show, he narrates it, but he also makes an appearance on the show to make a big deal out of it. And I'm a big fan of his. I love his his acting so uh, and his voice work. So I thought it was kind of cool. I, I think it's going to be a good season. I think last season of Hard Knocks was so good, it's going to be hard to live up to. Yeah. Last season with the, with the Lions and Dan Campbell was great. And, uh, and I think this season is going to be good too. But I think it's going to be a hard one to live up to for last year. A couple more notes. Uh, Zeke. Sounds like it's down to three teams for him. Yeah. Back to Dallas, New England, and the Jets, who you just mentioned there. Um, 
I look at it this way, Bo. I think the, what makes the most sense is for him to go back to Dallas where he's very familiar and has a good relationship with Jerry and Dak and McCarthy. But I don't know if his ego is willing to accept a reduced role where Tony Pollard is the featured back, you're the short yardage guy, and you're clear our number two back. Something, something tells me his ego and his pride might stand in the way of him doing that because that could have already been done by now. Yeah, I, I, maybe there's something to that. I think these running backs are all in a bad spot now. I mean, we just saw the story this last week with Kareem Hunt. You know, he's visited two places in the last 72 hours, both who desperately wanted him at some point, and he doesn't get a contract in either of them, both Indy and New Orleans. Um, you know, I I think this whole running back thing is tough. Whether the whole Zeke piece, I mean, we now we know that you know, Barkley's going to play. Uh, Taylor's had the uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor had the issue with the Colts, and and now he's got an ankle injury. I think it is. Yeah, I just think this is all interesting. These running backs don't get respect. They're certainly not getting money. So where they're going from here is going to be strange. But what I will say is they're going to end up somewhere. There's going to be a need, and it's going to develop in the next couple of weeks as these preseason games happen because of injuries. And so Zeke will end up finding a spot. I do tend to agree with you. I think Dallas may be the best choice for him. You know, and it's hard to swallow your pride and go back like that. But if he goes on there with the idea of, I'm going to play here for a season and see what I can get after it, and maybe he is just a, a, a third down, a third and short back or an occasional first down back, you know, see what can happen. If I'm Zeke, I want to find the best offensive line I can to play behind. Yeah. I need to have as good a season as – if I'm all these guys, if I have any say on where I'm going, get me to the place with the best possible offensive line so that I can get some blocking in front of me and try to have as big a year as I possibly can. Right. Uh, a couple more notes, too. Speaking of the Cowboys, Dak uh, came out today that uh, he and the Cowboys discussing a long-term extension. I, I thought it was just a couple months ago that this was a make-or-break year for Dak, that if he didn't do enough, if he didn't show up and show out and win playoff games, he'd be out the door. Like, what, what, what's going on here, Bo? Like, why would you, if you're not sold on Dak long-term – would you go ahead and even talk about this now? Why wouldn't you wait and see how this season goes? Well, I think it comes down to options. I mean, who's a better option for you in 12 months? That's the issue, is that we've got guys who have signed for lots of money who just aren't, plain simply aren't worth it. I mean, look, I mean, my favorite, used to be my favorite team, the Saints, they signed Derek Carter on a long-term extension, a long-term deal. He's trash. Yeah. I mean, Dak is good enough to still be very competitive. Right. Whether you want to argue he can win a Super Bowl or not, I'm not here for that argument. What I am here to say is I, if I'm a coach, from if I'm a GM or an owner, I know what I've got there. It's too big of a position to not have a good frame, a frame of mind of who that is next season. And so if I have to extend a player in his case that 
you know, he's not in the Mahomes and Burrow and Allen category, clearly. But he's better than 20 other quarterbacks in this league. Right. And he gets a lot of grief because he's the Cowboys, he's the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. That's another part of it. He's always going to get put under the microscope because he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And that's, and that's probably a little bit unfair to him, too. I personally like Dak Prescott. I think a good team can win with Dak, Dak Prescott. If Matt Stafford could win a Super Bowl, then Dak Prescott could, too. And I think, I think the biggest problem the Cowboys have is not Dak Prescott. It's the fat man holding the waffle menu. Yes. I, I think Mike McCarthy is a bigger issue than Dak Prescott. I agree. And I just think that I would be okay with extending Dak Prescott another three-year deal. Yeah. There's, there are skills there that he has. Well, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson. Let's get that clear. But he has similar skill sets. Yeah. He's one of the best read option quarterbacks I've ever seen. I mean, he was fantastic at it in college. Why they haven't put that in their offense, I don't understand. Especially when they had Zeke. I mean, and now you got Tony Pollard, who's a quick guy. Get that into your offense. Run it five times a game. I mean, it's going to get you five first downs. It's going to get you four or five first downs every game. You might as well. Don't lock him into a 10-year deal. But if he's going to get a three- or four-year extension, why not? Who are you going to get right now to replace him? Unless you're sitting with the number one pick next year. We know one guy in this draft who's going to be phenomenal in the NFL. We know one. We can argue about three or four of those who might be good. Yeah. But only one team is getting the number one pick and getting Caleb Williams. Right. They ain't the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, one final note. We'll wrap up real quick on this. Um, San Francisco. They've made it very clear uh, this past week. It was Kyle Shanahan said, Brock Purdy's our guy. He's healthy. He is QB1. It's not a quarterback competition. He's starting week one. Now you got two other quarterbacks there. Trey Lance, Sam Darnold. Uh, What do you think San Francisco does? Is there any chance they carry three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, or is Lance going to be the odd man out? Lance is going to be the odd man out. And, And that's what you have to do at this point. Um, for as much as they gave up for him, I don't understand why he's never been given that opportunity. They see they see him every day. I don't. Um, but I know his athletic ability. And, boy, I, he looked really good in the short things we've seen of him. I'd be hard-pressed to not give him a chance. But I understand they're comfortable with Brock Purdy. He can run their offense. Their offense is unique in the NFL. They're not a, you know, throw it all around the park kind of team like the, the Chiefs or the Broncos or the, the Chiefs or the Bengals or the Bills. So I, I get it. Um, don't necessarily agree with it, but no, they're not going to carry all three of them. They can't. One's got to go. Yeah. Bo, uh, appreciate the time as always. Uh, you'll stick around as uh, we have our draft segment coming up next. Yeah. And uh, a special guest set to join us as well as uh, we continue here on the Jonesport. Draft season continues now. Draft season continues here on the Jones Report as Coach Bo is staying around with us. And we also have a special guest for this week's draft as we are drafting your last meal. None of us want to think about death, but we always, I think, talk about what our last meal would be if we could choose. 
And so on this week's draft, we are going to choose the setting of the meal, um, what the meal is, and then also what the beverage of choice would be for said meal. And we'll pick six different items from there. So that's how that will work. And Bo, uh, I got to say, I can't believe it took this long. Somebody from the Studio Soapbox family, your own co-host, uh, Token Girl Ellen, is here with us making her debut on the Jones Sport this week. Yeah, so we don't have time this week, so uh, we had to get her a good replacement. And you uh, said, "Hey, let's let's go get out." So I said, "Let's let's get her in." So as we as we bring her in on my podcast, on the Coach Bodo's podcast, she's the co-host. She is the token girl. She is the legal counsel of the Coach Bodo's podcast. She's got great legs, but an even greater mind. Uh, my co-host, and now joining us today, Ellen Wigginton. Ellen. Hey guys. Welcome. Uh, hope you're ready for uh, this draft ahead. H- have, have you thought about uh, what your last meal would be? Has this been a conversation in the past? I mean, who hasn't? It's like, what would you do if you won the lottery? You've always had this conversation. So it'll be interesting to, to hear what you guys put on deck. Yeah. Uh, the draft order for this one, Bo's going to pick first. I'll pick second. Alan will pick third. And then uh, we'll have the back-to-back from there. And as always with this draft, you can't pick what somebody else has already taken. Uh, that's about the only rules here. And and you do have to check off the boxes, though, of location, items, and uh, beverage as well of choice. So uh, without further ado, we will go ahead and get started with this week's draft. Bo, you are on the clock with the first pick of the okay. last meal draft. Okay, so this is, uh, this is a little weird, this whole deal, but we're going to go with it. Uh, I'm picking a beverage to start, um, and I'm going to go with a non-alcoholic beverage of all things, which might be a little surprising, but I'm going to get this before Tyler tries to get it later. I'm going to take Dr. Pepper. Oh! i got to have a Dr. Pepper at my last meal. So One more time. Yeah. Just one last time, got to have a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> got to have a Dr. Pepper with my, with my okay. last meal. Anyone that knows me knows I love Dr. Pepper. I could. It, it is I also my favorite soda, so... I could stop drinking alcohol anytime I wanted, but Dr. Pepper, I think I would have a real problem giving up if it came to that point. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Pepper, a very good choice. I will go with uh, my my favorite alcoholic beverage of choice. And uh, Ellen, I, I, I would I would bet you've probably had this one a few times over the years uh, as somebody with Kansas City Connections. I, I can never have enough Boulevard wheat. I don't have it as much as I would like to here in Texas, because it's not offered everywhere like it is, but you get that Boulevard wheat, you get it on tap on draft and there's just nothing like it. If I knew I was dying tomorrow or in a few hours, give me one more Boulevard wheat before we call tonight. Uh, So that's my pick there, Ellen. Yeah, absolute solid choice. Uh, It was one of my gateway beers, so I get it. Perfect gateway beer. That was actually my first beer too. So yeah. Uh, good choice there. Ellen, uh, now you got back-to-back picks. So I guess I need a clarification because we said that these picks had to have all three per pick or we're just picking per category with each pick. All three categories have to be checked off at some point. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm going to go with food. Okay. And I am going to go with a medium rare filet with a lovely baked potato smothered in butter and shredded cheddar 
as well as some really nice steamed asparagus. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, it's one Ooh. food item. You got I, one I, item. I it was a plate. Wait. One, one item. You can save the sides for the other picks. I'm going for the filet. Medium okay. rare. Medium filet. Medium rare filet. Uh, can't mess it up. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, very solid pick off the board. Now you're back to back, so you could use one of your other picks for one of those sides you mentioned there if you want. No, I think I will go for a location on this next one, and it's going to be somewhere on the California coast at sunset. I don't have an exact place, but that's where it's got to be. Okay. Um, my next pick, actually similar to Ellen's here. I'm going with location. Very similar location, but we won't say exact. You'll like this, Bo. In honor of the death of the Pac-12, I'm <laughs> actually going to choose the San Francisco, the headquarters of the Pac-12, uh, with with their death there. I, I figured if 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 I'm dying, I might as well go out with the Pac-12 too, and I have my last meal where their burial site is uh, as well. So I'm going to San Fran, uh, the Pac-12, the, the Pac-12 headquarters there, Bo. Okay, uh, I too am picking a location. Uh, for my next pick, and I have been to this location once about five years ago. Me and the wife, we were in in Hawaii. This spot is in it's at the island of Maui. It is the it's the uh, it's at the the beach of Hana. If you've ever been to Maui, there's the road to Hana. Hana is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my whole life. And there is a lookout. There's a small restaurant there. Uh, which isn't much to say of a restaurant, but it was the most beautiful at, uh, scene I've ever seen. Oh, it's up on top of a hill, on top of a mountain, that overlooks the beach and overlooks west into the ocean. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen at, at sunset. So uh, I'm picking the in Hana, Hawaii, to have my last meal. Okay. Not a bad pick. Um, now you got the back-to-back, Bo. Go ahead. All right. So... I would have also gone with a steak, but instead I'm <laughs> going to go with some barbecue. I'm going to go with some. I'm going to go with some ribs from from Casey Joe's. There you go. Can't go wrong with that. Um. All right. So we got steak, uh, medium rare fillet off the board. Casey Joe ribs off the board. Uh this one. I'll say this like. I'm afraid this is going to get taken later. This is not my primary entree in this meal, but it is a very necessary side that I need. I I, I need like some buffalo chicken mac and cheese, similar to like the Bill Self mac and cheese, the 23rd Street Brewery, something like that. I, I, I need this. It could be my meal if I wanted it to, but in my last meal, there's got to be, it's got to at least be on the plate of sorts. So I'm putting... Uh, buffalo chicken mac and cheese uh, there, and I might have my buddy Matt Llewellyn at 23rd Street make it for me and be that last meal, but uh, that's got to be included. Ellen, you got back-to-back picks here. Uh, I think I'll go for a drink. I'm actually going to stay in the beer realm. Uh, I would like to have a Bell's Hop Slam, which is a lovely Imperial IPA sitting around 10%. Get you going easy as you kind of go into your waning moments. Okay. Um, let's see. I think for the next one, I will do a food. 
because you inspired me. And I will go with, there's a great Detroit style pizza place here in Denver called Blue Pan. And they have this wonderful pizza called the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's pepperoni and ricotta and mozzarella in that cheesy Detroit style crust that I would I would love to have as a going out meal. Okay. Uh, another solid pick. Uh, now for me, I'm going to go with my main entree. Um, you know, when you're about to die, calories don't matter at this point. I mean, you might as well enjoy while you have for the, for the last one. And, you know, I do love steak, pizza, you know, whatever, all, all that stuff. Sure. I've had that plenty of times in my life. I, I I don't eat enough fried chicken. And the best fried chicken <laughs> I've ever had was Gus's fried chicken in Memphis. Um that that to me, you, you wait 30 minutes to get it, but it's well worth the wait. I'm uh I'm having Gus's fried chicken from Memphis. We're bringing it over to San Francisco at the Pac 12 offices and enjoying some fried chicken with this pick. Bo, you're you're up back to back here. All right. Um Okay, so you got me kind of scared. This may not be back available to me if I come back to you. So you've already got the Bill Self mac and cheese and the Gus's fried chicken. So I'm just going to have to have some buffalo wings, just straight up buffalo wings. I'm pretty open to wearing those are good ones. So some just not boneless wings, buffalo wings. Okay. So that's uh, my next pick. Next pick for you, Bo. Okay. Um. Here I have to. I'm gonna have to do a beverage on this one. Um, I got Dr Pepper. I'm not quite as fancy as you guys on beer. Um, certainly not like my co-host Ellen, who drinks all sorts of stuff that I just wouldn't touch. Um, me myself, I am a ice cold Budweiser guy. Ice cold, give it to me. I'll take a Budweiser, cold Budweiser on the way out. There you go. Um, my fifth pick here. I'm gonna dive into some dessert i need something sweet my favorite dessert uh i'll never say no to it if i'm full i'll make room one way or the other i gotta do new york style cheesecake give me the, the strawberries the whipped cream uh i'm going cheesecake with this pick i gotta have some dessert and it's gotta be cheesecake with this selection ellen uh your final two picks here um i'm gonna go with another location because we don't have enough of those on the board. And I think I would just take the uh, restaurant at the Eiffel Tower at night. What a cool pick. Thank you. Someday I'll maybe actually get there. Um, and then the last pick, I think if I needed to have absolutely something that I just had to have, what would that be? I think a really nice dry glass of champagne. I don't know why, but it seems right. Okay. Okay, very good. Um, my last pick, I, I need another side. I need a side to go with my mac and cheese and my fried chicken. And there's no other side that, that does it quite like some garlic mashed potatoes. Oh. Um, soak them in butter. If I'm dying tomorrow, go ahead and throw all the butter you can in this, these garlic mashed potatoes. I need some garlic mash. Uh, one more go round before we we go out. So 
That's my last pick. Bo, the final pick for you. Okay, I got to have a side as well. And my side would be red beans and rice. Ooh. Nicholas would approve. Put some Andouille sausage in there. We're going to make it, yeah. Okay. Very good pick. All right. So to recap the uh, draft this week, Bo's team consists of Dr. Pepper. Uh, He's having his last dinner in Hawaii. He's going to have some KC Joe's ribs, some buffalo wings, a cold Budweiser, and red beans and rice. Meanwhile, uh, I'm going to be having a cold Boulevard wheat. We're going to be hanging out in San Francisco uh, in honor of the Pac-12's death because we're dying with him. Um, I'm also going to be having some buffalo mac and cheese, some Gus's fried chicken, some cheese steak, and some garlic mashed potatoes. We're going to we're going to pig out in that final meal. Ellen's going with a medium rare fillet. Uh, going to enjoy it on the California coast and uh, also going to have some Bell's Hot Slam IPA with some Brooklyn Bridge uh, pizza and also take a visit to the restaurant, the Eiffel Tower, and uh, some dry champagne as well. So, Bo, your thoughts on uh, the teams that we've assembled here? You lost again, Tyler. You lose every week, except for last <laughs> week. Last week is how the first I, How did I lose here? Uh, well, I got everything I wanted. Well, see, it's good for you. It, it is kind of an ongoing joke, Ellen. He asked me every week, and I always say that either I or Tom won, that he never wins. Last week, Tyler finally won because in his coaches, he chose me. Ah. So, so he won that. So, uh, no, I think these are all good. You can kind of see where everyone's thinking is. Like, you want this, you know, some some great place. We all want kind of sunset kind of things. I think this is kind of a cool list. It's kind of a great way to fantasize about things like that. Um, I don't see any. There's no pixels like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ellen, usually, the... Tyler, you throw one at me, but usually you throw one pick in there, Tyler, where I'm like, really? You know, whether that's Stalin or Donald Trump or something. It's... <laughs> <laughs> one just WTF pick. I, I didn't have that this time. No, you did good. I was a good general manager this time, according to Bob. Um, I had my Howie Roseman draft this time. Um, Ellen, when you look back at the teams, what would you like of the, the picks that were made here? Um, I will say that my selections look bougie as fuck. So I'm really happy <laughs> with that. Um, you know, it's aspirational living at its best. I think it really digs into our Midwestern roots though. All of us are from the Midwest yes. and that is the running core out of all of this. And it's, Fantastic, if you ask me. I think so. Um, Bo, what were some of the uh, the individual picks uh, that you liked across the board? You taking the big Bill Self mac and cheese is pretty good. <laughs> man, that's that's one of my favorite things in Lawrence. It's 23rd Street Brewery and the Bill Self mac and cheese. I love eating it. It hates me an hour later. It just expands in you, and you you feel like you just killed yourself eating that much. Yeah, there's multiple trips to the bathroom after eating that. And, and you know, Gus's fried chicken is actually one of those in Kansas City now. Really? Yeah, it's in KCK. Yeah, I actually went over it. It's it's really good. That, that is great fried chicken. And then, um, Ellen, you can have to take me to this pizza place in Denver next time I'm in Denver. Absolutely. Go check that out. And then I will say, Ellen beat me to a steak. Steak is actually my favorite thing to eat. I love steak. But I got beat on that one. But I had to beat Tyler to Dr. Pepper. 
<laughs> so that was more important. It's always important to try to undercut Tyler. And if that means you got to do your first pick, you know, you got to take care of that. So hey, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes point. on this. That's good to know. Yeah. Yes. No, <laughs> I'm going to die without one more sip of Dr. Pepper. It's going to be a painful <laughs> death. I'll tell you that much. Um, I got to say, when I look at the picks, uh, some of my favorites of what we had here, Bo, the, the KC Joe's ribs, like, that that won't let you down. I know people love to hype up the Z-Man, and I get that. I love the Z-Man. It's great. But, like, the Z-Man is, is your lunch thing. It's, you know, not, you know, the the formal thing if I'm going to die. If I'm going to die, give me the whole thing. Like, spend whatever it takes, the extra money to get those ribs. We're not going cheap here. Yeah, I'm a big uh, – so that's my favorite thing there, their ribs. Uh, I've had them like, numerous times, obviously. My favorite quick story about them is one day we were at the one in Olathe, 119th String Line, and I had just got done working out at the old Bally's right down, right there, right in the corner. Uh, me and the wife, we just got done working out, and it's a Saturday afternoon, and we're going to go – we decide what's a great thing after workout, go to Joe's. Not really, It's kind of counterproductive. But it gets even better. The special that day was full slab of ribs, two sides for like $22. So I walked up and I said, how much is slab of ribs without the two sides? And I said, oh, we can do that for like 17 I was like, done. I ate the entire slab of ribs before I left. I was asleep on the couch 40 minutes later. Didn't wake up for like four, for like 14 hours. It was ridiculous. It, yeah, it, like a food coma. Totally worth it. And and for people that don't know, like Bo knows good barbecue. You used to, you used to be a pit master. Yeah, I worked. I was a case. I was a I was a kitchen manager and everything for Casey Masterpiece many 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 moons ago. And I'll say that when it comes to barbecue in Kansas City, Kansas is the best there is anywhere in the world. Um, there's really like two or three places that I eat at. That's about it. I like Joe's. I like Jack Stack. Um, uh, Plowboys, I think, is really good. Uh, there's a couple others that you like run in and it's fine. The sandwich is really great, but Joe's ribs are to die for. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen, tell me more about this Brooklyn Bridge pizza. What's uh what's this pizza consist of? Have you ever had this Detroit style pizza? Yeah. Okay, so part of it, because I am originally from Wisconsin, so cheese is a big part of my life. So there's cheese on the outside of the crust, yeah. which is fantastic. But you can get you can get it either in a small, which is four pieces, which is great for two days of eating, or you can split it, get something else. But it is really just, you've got the sauce that is just perfection. You've got dollops of ricotta, and I get it with extra ricotta. Because I was told that's the best way to order it, and it's never done me wrong. Lovely pepperoni scattered without some some mozzarella, kind of filling in the gaps. And I can eat a piece or two because it's the great thing about Detroit style pizza is that it's almost like a deep dish, but not so dense. So it doesn't get you quite as full as fast. But a couple beers slice or two of pizza can bring the rest home reheat reheats great and you're just it's a good bang for your buck yeah uh i think there's probably a big misconception out there some people 
only know of Detroit style pizza because of Little Caesars. Yeah, and I can't claim to say that I've tried Little Caesars just Detroit style. I think Pizza Hut also did a Detroit style. Um, but this place is dope. I love it. And it's right across from my stylist. So I can go get my hair done and then go get a pizza and a beer. So can't complain. Pizza and a beer. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Well, uh, another fun draft again. Uh, we have only a few more of these left before in the uh, the end of summer here. But uh, for people that are listening here at the Jonesport that may be hearing Alan for the first time, you guys do your show every week. And yeah. I mean, it's not just sports either. Like you, you, you guys hit on some real world issues from time to time. We we have a lot of fun. So Ellen is the conscience of the of the podcast. I I get to be a smart ass, and obviously we talk a lot of sports. Uh, I'm opinionated, but Ellen's the one that'll kind of pull me back a little bit. But then also we have some great discussions, whether that's politics or life. We talked about like one of our one of my favorite things we talked about in the past few months was comedy. We talked about how there's this kind of what you called it, you know, cancel culture, and we both had this thing about we talked about like the nuance of comedy, and we both had a lot to say about that. And what's great is when we don't agree on something, uh, which doesn't happen too often because we're both pretty reasonable people. Um, <laughs> Her more so than me sometimes, but uh, what is great is that again, it she's great that she can, I can defer to Ellen quite a bit on things that either I'm ignorant on or want to know more about, and then it's wonderful, wonderful to have a woman's opinion. Oh, thanks. So, and, and obviously, someone who who is thoughtful and insightful. I, I when I listen to you guys' show, Ellen, I, I love hearing a a fellow Jayhawk keeping Bo in line here. Hell yeah. I mean, the domination is going to continue on and it's only going to get worse uh, given that I have Nuggets season tickets. And so I'll just talk about CB all throughout the NBA season while KU is running down that number one uh, ranking. So and who knows what football is going to be? I saw the video from the athletics department with, you know, the renovations that they did to Anderson looks fantastic. The dudes are stoked. I think we might land game day again. That'd be great. Uh, I'd love to see it. Ellen, Bo, thanks for joining us. Another successful draft. We'll do it again next week here on the Joe's Report. Final segment before we go. It is our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges back here with us now standing by. Tom, catch us up to speed what's going on in the world this week. Jones, well, I will say we are going to Jacksonville, but, um, you know, I didn't get to do the draft this week. Um, you know, you, Bo, and Ellen filled in and, and did me some justice while I was doing karaoke um, tonight or the night that we're filming this. You guys filled in the draft. You had a great draft idea, and you told me, and I was like, damn, what a great you, – you didn't, you didn't miss a beat. Um, what a great draft. I always thought about like, man, if I could, you know, what would be my last meal? And uh, like I said, top of the line stuff from you there, picking that. And I, you guys, like I said, you, you read me all the, uh, the draft choices and I thought, okay, I can't be on the segment, but I'm going to pick one. And I, I like that you said location, because when we think of last meals, obviously we think of like, okay, if you're going to have a last meal before you die, 
and you know it, well, you're probably on death row in prison. But you read me on all the great ones. I really like Bo's, his red beans and rice. That's atypical Bo right there. He is a Louisiana man. But if I had to have a last meal, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a um I'm gonna go lobster. You know, you could sub either one here, but it has to be one of them. Um, fresh, hot, like steaming hot lobster, lobster and or crab. One of those two. Um, and I don't even need butter. If you cook it right, you don't need even need butter on it. It's just that juicy. Lobster and or crab. Um, I will take. Okay. Uh, Hot, hot, fresh French fries, like hand-cut French fries, a um, a medium-rare ribeye. Okay. And I'll do a side of what's that place we went to in Dallas? Me you and Billy after the after the Baylor game. Oh, the rustic. I want that rustic mac and cheese as a side. Okay. And I will do um, Makers 47, glass of Makers 47, neat. And I'm trying to think of one last drink that I would pick here. Something, oh, I will, I'll probably do a glass of like a grapefruit juice or some kind of probably grapefruit, grapefruit or uh, some sort of a pineapple juice mixed with sparkling water. Okay. That, that would be my meal. I like it. And if, if I couldn't have the mac and cheese, I would just do like maybe a uh, like a, a pasta basted up in uh, Alfredo sauce of some kind. Okay. That would be mine. Maybe with, you know, diced up jalapenos in there too. I, see. Um, I don't even need a dessert at that point. Okay. Um, that, that would be mine. We're going to Jacksonville, uh, where you will not be having your last meal. Uh, what did Thank we God. Find? What did we find in Jacksonville, though? Well, think about this. The worst place you could have your last meal might be in this facility when we talk about this. This comes from the New York Post. Um, this comes from the other day, actually. And uh, it has a little bit of history on the show because we've talked about hydration levels prior. But it wasn't in Jacksonville. That was in Austin, Texas. This is from Jacksonville. Tom Herman is not part of this team that I understand, that I know of. No, he's but not again, far away. He's at FAU. He might, might make his way up to Jacksonville now, though. He might have had some influence here then, or he's working for somebody. He might have made commission off of this. Because Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars, $120 million practice facility includes the most advanced urinals. That's a brand-new sentence. Most advanced urinals in pro sports. The Jacksonville Jaguars didn't waste a dime in their brand new $120 million practice facility, and that included purchasing the most advanced urinals in all of professional sports. Yes, you read that right. You heard that right. NFL Red Zone host Scott Hansen took a tour of the new Jags facility and noted the state-of-the-art urinals, which include a hydration sensor. At this, At that point, there's a hydration like if you have color vision, I'm pretty sure you can tell every morning that I wake up, I look in the toilet. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably have some water. Um, 
It was documented in a video he posted to Twitter in which Hanson marvels. He marvels. Yeah, right. Marvel. He marvels. He, you know, he's a great host. He's, he's, I don't, I couldn't pick a better red zone host, honestly. Oh, he's the best. He's, he's a lot better than, uh, Siliano. Oh, yeah. And he, he doesn't hear as well, but no one hears as, as <laughs> well as I, I got that joke. That's good. Yeah. He, yeah. He's probably hearing us talk shit right now. <laughs> like, ears he's got going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so get this, Jones. You take a leak in this urinal, quoted here. If the light turns green when you go, you're good. If it's yellow, you need to hydrate some more. If it's red, you're probably going to get a notice from the athletic trainers, maybe get an IV. I would probably get an IV three out of the seven days a week. Um, and it would probably be Friday morning, Saturday morning, or for, yeah, Friday morning, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning, and I'd get an IV. It's all part of the new Miller Electric Center. The Jags opened in the last month next to the TIAA Bank Field. 125,000-square-foot practice facility includes locker rooms, training and medical facilities, office space, a draft room, two full-size grass practice fields, and one indoor field, according to the new team website. Jones, there's a video of these urinals. Here's the thing. I'm looking at this video. It looks like just a normal office bathroom. Like the floor is like just your typical stone, like vinyl, whatever. These I'm looking at these little sensors in the urinals right now. It doesn't look like an if you're not pissing in plated like 24 karat plated gold urinal. It looks like a normal pisser at the airport. They just have this little thing in the urinal. It doesn't even make sense. Here's the deal, too. Jones, there are however many people in the facility. Like, okay, so by the time the season starts, there's a 53-man roster. Right. And then you have the practice squad people. So add another 22. I'm saying seeing the most guys that could go in the bathroom at one time here. So you got – like you got – you're looking at 75 players. It's the practice squad and full-time roster. And then you have the coaching staff and the trainers and the medical staff and the janitors and whoever else at this facility. They all get to use it. What if a janitor goes in there and just pisses straight yellow syrup? You know, is is how that alerted? You got to like, you know, you go to a casino and you, uh, you know, when you sit down at a slot machine, you put your player's card in. Do the Jags have a player's card when you take a leak? Do you slide your player's card in the pisser and it records your data there of like, okay, he's pissed, he's pissed solid for, right. you know, a week, but the last three days he must have been drinking heavy because he's, he's straight pissing out straight color to mustard. You know, does that get, you know, do they have a player's card? How do they, how do they tell? What well, if on the flip side of that too, if you've been drinking, um, your urine color can be deceptive. You can piss clear and it looks hydrated, but you're actually not. Is that is that personal experience? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, when I hit the head and after, you know, four beers and I break the seal, a lot of the time after I break the seal on four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve beers, it's 
clear for the most part. It's not until the next morning that it's like right. the consistency of uh, Aunt Jemima's, you know. Aunt Jemima. You know, it's a, you R. know. R.I.P. She got, you know, it's, she was a victim of cancel culture, didn't come back. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not until the next morning that, you know, it's it's more like KY, you know, it's like more like KY lube coming out than it's like piss, you know. It's uh, it's got that gel consistency to it some of the time. Um, but saying that, like, okay, they mentioned the urinals. Hey, listen, a lot of the time, and, and, and circling back, the reason that I brought up however many people, and this goes for everybody here, if you don't observe the unwritten bathroom rule of like, hey, there's three pissers and some dude standing in the middle, well, where are you going? Don't go into the urinal next to the man sitting in the middle like a jackass. You go into the stall and take a leak. You don't have to shut the door or lock it behind you. You just you go into the stall. If right. there's you know if there's four pissers, and you know, let's say there's there's four urinals and there's one dude at the left, far left, and one dude at the far right, and there's two in between. Well, that leaves you no choice but to piss next to one of these people. You go in the stall. At at my work, there's two urinals and two stalls. If there's one guy in the stall when I walk, or if there's one guy at the urinal when I walk in, I don't go directly next to him. I just go in the, I go in the stall. Don't shut the door behind me. Now, not everybody knows. I think everybody knows these rules. It's just a lot of people make you uncomfortable. There's a guy, and I'm not gonna say any names. He's a higher up at the company that I work at. He's a great guy. And, uh, he's very charitable. He's, he's very, very focused on donating a lot of his money and he makes a lot of it. Um, and he's probably 70 great guy though. Always makes it a point to talk to you and knows everybody's name. Like I said, he's high up and, uh, he's, he's up there. Like it's, he's, he's one of the top guys you, you, you wouldn't want to say a bad word to this guy will go in and it, it seems like we're on the same bathroom schedule or he just has it out for me in a weird way. Every time I go in the bathroom in the morning, this guy strolls in there. I'll be at the urinal, just minding my own business. And he will just come right up to the next urinal and almost go as far as pat you on the back when he's unzipping his pants. I'm like, Hey, you know, I can't really say anything to him, you know, cause he's, he might as well be the owner of the whole company. Right. But at the same at the same time, he goes, Hey, Tom, how are you doing this morning? And I'm like, I'm not even gonna say his name, but I'm like, damn it, man. Like, don't don't talk to me when I literally like I got a dick in one hand, like, and focus on making it into the urinal right here. And you're right. damn near pat, pat me on the back. Somebody in the bathroom. No, that's a party foul. You know, exactly. And you know what? There, as far as the CEO, I've been at the urinal. You know what he does? He goes into the stall. If someone's at the urinal, I'll be in at the urinal. He'll walk in. The CEO of this company walks in, goes to the stall. We'll be at the sink at the same time washing hands. Doesn't say a word. As soon as we exit the bathroom, he's like, Tom, how's it going, man? Boom. He knows the rules. So I got, I got a few bathroom uh rules or hot takes for you uh, let me go through one by one see what you think um first off uh do not take a shit in a public restroom at work like 
take care of that business before you go to work or wait till you go home. Like nobody needs to know. I, I don't want to know that you just took a big dump or whatever it may be. And then like where your hands have been wiping or, or if you wash your hands, like, don't make me like question that, like, take care. It, it, it's it got to be emergency. Like, don't be that guy that takes a dump at, at, at work, Tom. Is that, is that, is that fair? Yeah, uh, uh, a little bit. I will say here lately, just the shit schedule I'm on. Usually probably about at least once a week, I'll take a shit at work. And some of the time it's like, ah, uh, you know, I need a break. And I'll go in there and sit on the pot until my legs are numb. Um, and and sit there and scroll through Reddit and take a shit at work. Okay. Now, I will I will say I haven't always been that guy. And there are serial shitters because every time and maybe this is weird, maybe it's not, I'll be at the shitter at work and be there. Or even if I'm at the urinal at work, I will notice shoes, and it is the same people in the shitter every time. There's one guy that wears like a pair of like um, underarm trainers that are, I can even tell you the color because every time I go in there, it's like he's on the shitter. Um, Live from the they're, shitter. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're blue um, and unmistakable. And what's funny, I don't even know who it is. Because I don't look at people's shoes just outside, you know, when I'm outside. And honestly, to be honest with you, I think he's from the shop area at work. I think he's a, I think he's a welder that comes into the office and shits in the office shitter. I really do think so. Okay. But he's always he's always in there. So he's 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 stealing a paycheck. Okay. Uh, here's my other takes. This one, courtesy of my grandfather. Uh, I'll say this: I, I I do not agree with this statement, but. My my grandfather, he, he made a point to tell me this at a very young age. He was very adamant. Don't <laughs> pick a stall. Just go and take care of your business and, and get over with it and be done with it. He was he he still he was very adamant. Still to this day, don't pick a stall. Pick a stall. Tom, do you just go to the first one you go to, or if it's dirty, you go to the next? It depends. I mean, at work, everyone's pretty Adam out about no pee on the seat. You know, if you go into a stall, um, and but you know, granted, if you go into and I'll tell you what, the worst ones are the airports or the stadiums oh. that you go into a football game. People will literally savagely or, or leave. Yeah, they'll just leave the turd in the toilet and and just whatever else on the toilet. And if I see that and it's like just a whole roll of toilet paper with just diarrhea shit in it. I'm not going to go to that one that, but for the most part, if it's just a normal one, then yeah, sure. I'm not going to go into a stall, lock the door and then be like, nah, this isn't clean enough for my standards and back out. You know, all you got to do is take a glance, but I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Um, the next one, um, you know, I, I, I hear people saying that men don't need to, men should never sit down to pee. I say there's a big exception. Like, if I'm taking a shit and I got to piss, I'm going to sit down when I piss. Like, 
you know, do you expect me to stand up to piss, then go sit down to take a shit? No, no, I'm, I'm just going to sit there the whole time. So I didn't know that. I'm I am a pro stand to pee player here. So I will stand I'll, to pee, and then you'll sit down and take a pool. Well, here's the deal: you got to know, and if you're a, a if you're a serial bathroom shitter, you already know the plan. Most of the time, like you know, every time you pee, you don't have to poop, but every time you poop, you have to pee. Here's a, here's a different one. I'm I'm very curious to see. Um, just differences in 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 um preference. If you do, you said you don't take shit in the public restroom. But if you do, do you wipe while you're sitting down, or do you stand up to wipe? Uh, I'll stand up to wipe. But you'll pee while you sit down, and then stand up to wipe, or do you wipe standing up and then pee? Because I'll I I'll usually pee, will pee and then I'll, I'll pee first. I'll pee first. I'll then you know take a dump and then I'll stand up and wipe and be done. Right. See now, it depends on some of the time. Like most of the time, if I need to, you know, drop a deuce, even at home or just at, at work, I will go into the bathroom. And obviously, in my brain right now, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to take a, I'm about to take a dump here at work. I will go into the stall, lock the door, pee standing up, sit down, take a shit, stand up to wipe, flush, and be done. Hardly, rarely ever do I just sit down unless it's just a, unless it's prayer dog, like unless it's, we ain't got no time to pee. I will, you know, if that's the case, then I'll do my business, stand up, wipe, pee, call it a day but 99 percent of the time and i think i speak for most guys saying this every time you go in to take a dump you pee first and then you sit down and then you take the dump i have i've very rarely ever met people who will take a dump wipe sitting down also pee standing down of sitting down and then get up and flush yeah I, I don't know. It, it must, I'm in, and I'm be, I don't know, weirdly interested in to see who out there wipes sitting down. I've done it before. It's just way more ergonomical, in my opinion, to wipe standing up. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Yeah. Uh, you might be onto something, uh, as far as that goes. Um, and then my my last one is, and, and shout out to uh, our friend Alex Bennett on this one. Uh, I know she went viral for some comments. Her Jordan Woodruff uh, on uh, on this, but I'll, I'll put it. I'll put my statements out there on this. Tom, uh, if you piss, you do not need to wash your hands. If you take a, a dump, yes, you should wash your hands. But like, if I'm pissing, like I, I'm not. Uh, I don't, I don't have to wash my hands. And if I'm working at a restaurant or something like that, that's one thing. But if, if I'm just a normal civilian, whatever, no, I, I don't need to wash my hands just for taking a piss. I will say, depending on where I'm at, every time at work, piss, taking a dump, I'll wash my hands every single time. 
Um, I will do that, even if no one's in the bathroom. And so no no judgment. I'll always wash my hands if I'm at work. If I'm at home and it is like we're recording this show, it is 12, 16 a.m., and if I get up to talk to you right now and go into my bathroom in my room and take a leak while we're on the phone, probably not. Probably not going to. Actually, I can guarantee you I won't. Now, if I'm in public or doing something or I'm about to meet some people, then yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, not a problem. Um, but yeah, no. Anybody that tells you they wash their hands every time after they use the bathroom is full of shit. Um, because it doesn't happen. And that goes for men and women. I, I, unless you're an absolute clean freak, then there's no way. There's no way. Um, now I will say it is pretty weird. Um, I've been in the bathroom at work and, you know, two people taking a leak and I'll go in, take a leak. They'll finish at the same time. I go to the sink to wash my hands and they'll just walk right out of the bathroom. And I was like, okay, well you have no shame. Even if you didn't want to wash your hands, someone else being in the restroom with you, you would think you would be like, okay, better go ahead and do this. Just make sure they're not, you know, judging me. Maybe I care too much what people think. Maybe one of these days I'll get to an age where my bag of fucks to give will run out. But sadly that, the bag of fucks is still full and I will wash my hands at work every time, even if there's nobody in there, but you do have a point because if I get up to pee right now at 12, 18 AM and, uh, take a leak while we're on this show. No hands aren't getting washed. Are we dirty Jones? No, I don't think so. Uh, this is, this is, uh, Every time we do, uh, are you, okay, another question. Before your last meal, are you washing your hands? Um, I'm washing my hands for my last meal. Well, because it involved finger food, then, yeah, I am. Because I don't want to get, like, you know, any poop residue to get on my chicken. So you're saying every time you eat raisin canes and you go to the bathroom before you get the you get the the box with the fries and the double box toast. Combo. Yeah. You're 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 washing hands. Yeah, yeah. I'm not taking any chances on accidentally that getting on my my fried chicken. You know, we're not risking. <laughs> on that note, what a uh endeavoring conversation there. Um you, you learn something new every day. That that went down a rabbit hole to say the least uh it went down the toilet hole the toilet yeah the toilet bowl yeah uh big thanks carter stanley for joining us coach Bo, also ellen for uh hanging out making her debut on the show uh tom of course and you the listener as well subscribe to the jones sport new episodes out each and every week uh apple spotify google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts uh also check us out on social media facebook.com slash tucker jones live facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Toddler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox. Uh, and then on Instagram, Toddler Jones Live, Insta Thomas Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. 
for Thomas Bridges and our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week.